Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast episode 2009. Yes, this is the podcast where the future is so bright that we've got to put on our time ray bands yep. and turn instead to the past uh, via the lens of the ARIA charts, Australian Recording Industry Association charts, and have a look at what was number one that year, in this case, the year 2009. Absolutely, Tom. And I should point out that um, if we haven't done this, we, I'm sure people are aware of this, but we're, we're deep in, um, in digital download territory now, aren't we? Yes, definitely. So we're still uh, getting the CD singles. We're going on Discogs, but as we learned last week, the prices are creeping up and up and up, and, that's, and there's no correlation between <laughs> the quality of the music and the price of the CDs yeah, now. <laughs> it's, uh, they're starting to creep up a bit, and that's because they just weren't making many by this time. Yeah. It's very much a uh, digital uh, download territory. We're not streaming yet. We're not Spotifying it yet. I don't no, even know whether that exists no, as of yet. Facebook but and YouTube are definitely out and about. Out and, and about. People are downloading music, paying for downloads online. iTunes is kicking. They certainly, yeah. Yep. That's right. So what, uh, just to set the scene, Tom, for 2009, some things that people might have forgotten. What are some events that happened this year that people might look back and go, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that existed? Sure. Uh well, it's sort of seemingly, apart from the usual natural disasters, it was a relatively quiet year, uh, judging by the big headlines. Uh, Johanna Sigurdotter is elected the first female Prime Minister of Iceland, thus becoming also the first openly gay head of government in the modern world. I mm. know uh, that's only the modern world we're talking about. Students yep. of history will no doubt remember medieval king Robert the Fabulous of Luxembourg, and of course, Pope Fancy Pants the Ninth, who yep. is responsible for the entire visual branding of the Vatican up until today. Certainly, they still love those those crazy outfits and mm. the uh, the red slippers as opposed to going around those. You couldn't show him a naked gold baby that he didn't want to see more of, oh. preferably flying in an arch over, you know, a crucifix. Absolutely. Yep, they love. They're very very fond of. Um, well, they love art, don't they? <laughs> Just, they're art lovers at the Vatican. For sure. Uh, yes, um, initial versions of Minecraft and Bitcoin are released, mm. causing a level of keyboard jizz not seen since the Star Wars prequels and Gilligan Anderson's FHM spread were announced on the same day. Uh, in music news, Metallica and Run DMC are inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm. If only those two had worked together instead of working with Lou Reed, we could have yeah. had another, you know, walk this way on our hands. But Lars has stated that... Um people probably in 30 years time will listen to Lulu that's right and then <laughs> so we're talking 2000 sort of 40-ish people will be like ah this mm. is actually good it's just going to take that amount of time for people to realise that it isn't a piece of shit so. music critics being what they are that wouldn't 100% surprise me if Pitchfork in 2040 decided that that was the best album of all time yeah absolutely I mean a lot of those uh, because those magazines Rolling Stone in particular they don't know what the fuck they're talking about So, and they never have so they'll just say anything and then they'll do their end of the decade list or they'll go the best of the 60s and they'll just be like oh yeah we shat on all of this at the time <laughs> 
but turns out we were wrong. It was actually quite good. That's right. Uh, Michael Jackson, the self-proclaimed mm. king of pop, uh, dies after his living doctor forgets to cut the crusts of his nightly propofol and benzodiazepine sandwich. Yeah, it was a, that was a sad time for, um, well, for some people. <laughs> <laughs> for some people. It was, a, it was a time of mixed feelings, it was, I seem to recall. It was a time recall. of joy for some. Um, can you remember where you were, Tom, the day the music died, so No, but weirdly, I can remember having several, not arguments, but hearing people loudly both bemoan and denounce him. Yep. Where around about that time at in various beer gardens around that time. Yeah. I was um I was in Sweden, Tom. Mm. I'd gone there for the weekend and I had flown into Sweden and I had gone to the hotel yeah. and I was staying in the hotel. And so I dropped all my stuff off and then left the hotel and there was a, a kid moonwalking in the town square. Doing yep. a bit of, ooh, and then they were blasting Billy Jean from a, from a ghetto blaster, and someone else was like wearing a Michael Jackson T-shirt, and I was like, "Fucking hell, they love Michael Jackson in Sweden, <laughs> don't they?" Because I was unaware that he had died. Because mm. um, that was back in the day where global roaming on your phone it cost forty-eight pounds just to check, you know, uh, what yes. the weather was going to yeah. be. So I just ref- I didn't have any internet <laughs> access, so I was like, "Fucking hell." And then, um, yeah, I finally realised that he had, in fact, died. And then that sort of yeah. made me realise that I think people's love of Michael Jackson in Sweden is probably about the same as it is in other countries of the world. I suppose if any students of uh, history are listening to this podcast, you know, in... His story? You mean in, his album? Or in 2100 mm. and thinking, how come people were still sad, um, you know, despite the fact that it was a pedophile who died? Uh Back then, it was still 10 years before the uh, later documentaries about him would come yep. out. And so when he died, there was only a 99.3% chance that he was definitely a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. So there was still that, you know, credit card-sized gap in the closing door of guilt so yeah. that people could slide through and go, hey, well, you know, he was well, there never was formally that, charged. There was that <laughs> civil trial, I think, that he ended up winning I believe so people yes. are like he's won yep. that so therefore he's fine it's mm, like, there well, were also a lot of parents with giant cash settlements in their <laughs> bank accounts who were. mysteriously dropped their lawsuits <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. So, speaking anyway. of uh, awesome people in the music industry famed 60s record producer Phil Spector was found mm. guilty of second degree murder of actress Lana Clarkson in 2003 if you're asking yourself wasn't that six years ago the correct answers are white and money yeah um but it was only second degree murder, Tom. So I think you know, it could have been a lot worse. He's, yes. not, he's not a bad guy. I think mm. uh, we moved... thought a dude with a history of waving guns at people, a yeah. man whose was wife unhinged. had died in mysterious circumstances earlier as yeah. well. Definitely. <laughs> ah, look, it's, it could have been worse. Could have been first degree murder, but not. For, yeah, it's it, yeah, it was ridiculous. So, what were the big movie songs of the year, Ben? Mm. I'm assuming the Grammy for best song went to Mike Myers for his cover of Nine to Five in the Love Guru. Yeah, it did. Um, that was the year earlier, but you know, it takes a while <laughs> for the Grammys to catch up with True Genius. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, if he probably released a remix of that in 2009, <laughs> it qualifies it. I think so. Um, look, for me, Tom, the big movie film of this year was um, Linkin Park's song <laughs> from Transformers. Um, if you can rec- not, not the original Transformers. I'm not sure what Transformers are up to at this stage, but um, I believe uh, 
Right. What are, uh, do you know what all the what all the Transformers are? Well, I certainly don't. Um, <laughs> what the actual Transformers or the names the movies? Of the films. Yeah, the films. So uh, I think one's called the Ass of the Moon. Yep. One's called Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, yeah, might have been that one. Yep. So <laughs> Lincoln Park did a track for um, oh, Transformers. Okay. We were in, and the reason that's my favourite of the year, Tom, is because I, I couldn't find any others. It's very. There wasn't a lot of. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't we've, a lot. We've talked about. Wasn't this. a lot about that. The idea of big movie songs has yep. really kind of tailed off at this point. Yep. Like they just don't come the way they used yeah, to. Yeah. So we're lucky if we get one a year. Yeah. So days. I think there is one later I'm going to talk about, and I think what, when we talk about that, I had quickly jotted down <laughs> the name of the Lincoln Park song in my. My notes. So, um, yeah, just what just, I like uh, about Lincoln Park that. is that they got six albums out of a genre of music that I would best describe as being completely inspired by the guy from Essence who goes "Wake me up." Mm. If you took that bit, that that rapper, uh, the real McCoy, who they did not want in the song and was put there against their wishes by yep. the record company, yep. uh, and made an entire band career out of that yep. it would be yeah but Definitely. that was a success yep. you know they did a song with Jay-Z you know yeah for sure I, I, I was in a karaoke booth once and, a, and an American person <laughs> turned to me and said the, the, you, you're going to love this I've put this on for you and he put on like a Linkin Park song he's like come on you know the words and I was like I honestly do not know the words and I think was he that because you told him you like heavy metal oh I don't know I'm not sure what it was but it, I, I don't I don't even think I led on to that but it was sort of um Weirdly, he just I think, thought you got a pulse. You got yeah, like Lincoln Park. I think he expected me to do the rap bit. Like he was going to be the the che- he was going to be the Chester guy, the guy that does the singing bit. Yeah, and then I, don't, I can't Paul remember McCoy. the name of the other guy. It's going to be Paul McCoy that does the rap bit in <laughs> yeah. the middle. So, but anyway, no good. So yeah, anyway, <laughs> definitely that Lincoln Park song, Transformers. Sure, cool. Um, uh, yeah, well, should we get on with the music? Yeah, absolutely. So, 5th of January, two more weeks. It was more Gaga. Yep, she's one of, still insisting we poke her face. She was, absolutely. Still still on that, so look, we talked about that last week. Um, up next is the first new song of the year, Jessica Malboy, Burn. Damn right. Uh, what can you tell me about this? <laughs> well, that was Axel's cue to yell, give me some reggae. Oh, yeah. Because... Um, Jessica Mowboy is an Australian singer from the Northern Territory yep. who was a runner-up on the fourth season of Australian Idol. Uh, after releasing a live CD of her Idol performances, currently propping open the staff toilet and cash converters nationwide, and then briefly being a member of the not-good-enough-to-win Idol girl group, The Young Divas, Mowboy released her inaccurately named debut studio album, Been Waiting, from which Burn was the first single. Yeah, look, it is hard to say anyone had been waiting for this. Mm. Um, is this the first number one we've spoken about that I believe the subject matter of the song is contracting chlamydia? Is that right? So, um, God, uh, the lyrics, there's something about pissing in it. Burn, is that? Or I, I didn't listen to the song, Tom, but I assume it's that. So, Jessica has been coy on the subject herself, but mm. if I had to look in the direction of anyone, um, Lee Harding, I'd say she's probably yeah. buying him, and that's where it, look. It I was, like it. When I was thinking of someone to say that Jessica Malboy um, had probably contracted um, a an S, a sexually transmitted disease from. I was originally going to say Peter Andre, mm-hmm. um, but I think he may have been a bit too old for, for Jessica <laughs> Marble at this stage. So while people would have initially went, ah, oh, 
just found the reference to Peter Andre amusing, yep. I think they would have also been equally as repulsed. They would have went, ah, oh, and then they went, oh, but he's too old. So I took out Peter Andre. But interestingly, I was reading this week, Tom, that Peter Andre was mentioned in the, in the UK High Court this week in a libel case. Oh, okay. So it wasn't his libel case. Um, there's a there's one of the the British wags, the wives oh, and girlfriends yeah. of a football player, is suing another one suggesting that she said some things about her that were untrue. So during the course of the court case, um, one of the things that they raised was it was alleged that the, the person that was getting sued had slept with, with Peter Andre. <laughs> okay. so, I thought and, you were going to say that they liked Peter Andre. No, no. It's alleged that it was slept with Peter Andre, um, <laughs> and they pulled out a quote from an interview she gave in 2004. Sort of inter- They were giving evidence and saying, are you someone that leaks a lot of rumours? And she said, no, I never... Leak celebrity <laughs> gossip and they said well here's a quote from an interview you gave in 2004 Tom and this is what she had to say Peter's hung like a small chipolata the smallest trouser equipment I've ever seen so that's the quote and it's good to see that that's on the public record now in, in the court so mm. I only hope that some sort of legal precedent comes out of this WAG trial and you know law students for years to come have to read through the case as part mm. of their legal studies and they come across that saying oh Peter Andre's hung like a small chipolata that's good to know poor old Peter Andre I know, I know. anyway enough <laughs> about that back on to Jessica what do you got sure. for me um, yes uh, she was discovered as the winner of the first Tamworth Country Music Festival in 2004 at the age of 14. Mm. Got signed to Sony and went to Sydney. Cut a cover, country cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. But sadly, it wasn't a hit and she went home again. Uh, fortunately, Australian Idol came along five years later and allowed her to achieve nationwide acclaim in a more dignified way, e.g. by being called a jelly belly by Kyle Sanderlands, who looks like a gay nightclub bouncer fired after getting too fat to pass through the doorway he was paid to guard. Yeah, look, he does have that appearance, agreed, but he sort of also looks like a guy who owns a suburban pizza restaurant that the Herald Sun deemed was Melbourne's top 10 pizzas in 2004 and he still keeps the framed article up in his store despite the fact that you know the, the restaurant has seen better better times and there's mm. been a clear decline in quality of the preceding two decades and then he charges twice the price and if anyone complains he just abuses them he sort of has that yes. vibe as well to me and he looks like he smells very strongly of Lynx Africa yeah he does Don't yeah know for why. sure has he promoted that at any stage <laughs> it seems like the perfect tie in look the country cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun look it's fucking garbage admittedly but um, doesn't have any of the power of the original but she was 14 yes. and I assume that she was made to do that as part of her winning you've won the yeah. festival you've got to do a song why don't you cover this I was unfamiliar with her country origins actually I didn't know that that's where she'd started no I knew she was from the country but I didn't know she was a country yeah musician. I mean and that's sort of a popular road as we see people mm. on Taylor Swift or whatever you do country for five so, minutes yeah. and then you sort of go do something else um, a child singing stint that goes nowhere can derail your entire career in music but Jessica stuck with it um, and then did well on Idol which can also yes. derail your whole career in music but you know she's into the third act now Post Young Divas, which can also <laughs> derail your career. She's lasted longer than any of her first forays into music would suggest that she should have. And yeah. I don't mean because she's terrible, but I mean child star, idol, crap, girl group. Yes. You know, 
by the time you're 22, you could be done with that sort of stuff. So she, the fact that she's still going now, and she got to represent Australia in Eurovision. She did. Good yes. on her. Power to Jessica Malbrook. I think it probably helps that, unlike, say, Lee Harding, she can actually sing. <laughs> she can. <laughs> like, she's not bad. And she does seem to have a bit of charisma as well. Yeah, whereas, I mean, um, especially, I didn't realise how young she was in this. I mean, 14's young to be trying to do a hit, even if it's a flop, but... This is only five years yeah, later. Yeah, so, so she's still a teenager when yep. this comes out. And she, yeah, she sings better than you would expect for a teenager. Yep, yeah, for sure. A bit like, um, what's her name? Gabrielle Chilmy from yeah. last year. It's hard to hate someone who gets discovered when they're a teenager and does their first song as a teenager. Because you're like, at that point, idol or otherwise, you're probably also just taking advice from people around you a lot too. So God knows what you... Ch- I mean, my choices were bad enough in when I was 19 anyway. I yep. can only imagine how bad that would be if a bunch of money-hungry people were around me trying to Look, push me yeah. to do stuff. Like- in terms of who to blame for a dog-shit country cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Jessica Mowboy, she's way down on that list. Yeah. Top of the list is like whoever her manager is, some <laughs> producers, the Tamworth people, just a whole array of people. And then she, you know, I don't think you could... She gets no attribution for blame in terms of yeah. that song whatsoever. yeah. So, you know. Look, um, uh, yeah, in established, tedious record executive fashion, in this song they've tried to fit her into an existing mould as a sort of Kelly, Beyonce, dance pop figure, yep. which doesn't really suit her style, like, you know, in any sense, really. For instance, she's a pretty good singer, as said, but they've slathered this track in shitty auto-tune effects, which are also in tedious record executive fashion, at least five years out of date by this point. Oh, yeah. Or certainly five years past being anything novel. The usual result, as is here, is a singer who looks sort of vaguely uncomfortable in their own video, much like Delta in her first Let's See If People Will Buy Me as the Australian Christina song. They've also borrowed the equally dated visual motifs of the Charlie's Angels movies. <laughs> and that Good. which were like as old as her country cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun at this point. And that lighting effect where every shot looks like it's taking place in front of a camera phone torch inside a dark room. Yeah. As seen in Rihanna's video from three years ago. Uh, there's one bit where Jessica's splashing around in her clothes in a swimming pool in another location with no secondary lighting. I think it's meant to look decadent and sexy, but really it just looks like she got shit-faced and broke into the local Learn to Swim centre on the way to Abracababra. <laughs> it does. Look, this musically, this is about as derivative as it gets, to be honest. Yeah. Um, sounds like about 50 other songs that are around at this time, yeah. but you know, whoever wrote this or produced this, it obviously went, oh, Rihanna, Beyonce, they're pretty big now, let's yeah. just try and do that. It's got but a touch it's about, of that robo dance yeah, thing to it's it. about a hundredth as good as those songs yeah. as well but that's obviously not Jessica's fault either no idea why she was fully dressed in the pool might not have <laughs> wanted to maybe like she's she's there it's night so it's also night time so mm. she's at she's at the house where they're filming this thing it's night time maybe the producer of the video clip or the director has said hey you want to get in the pool and she might be like oh look I don't really want to get into a swimsuit maybe I don't feel super comfortable yep. with that um, it's also night time, it's also cold, so how about we not do it? And the guy's like, I know, why don't you just get in the pool fully dressed? And it's like, well, I fucking guess I'm doing that now then. So makes no sense. She looks like a fucking idiot. But anyway, it's like a, it's like a ball gown as well. It's something you might yeah, wear it's to really the Arias weird. itself. So And anyway. it's sort of filmed from above. Like It looks like someone who needs a lift out of the pool and the guy's just not giving her a hand yeah, up. Yeah, look, exactly. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier, Jessica was in the Young Divas Mark 2. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as you may recall, after Ricky Lee left the group and was oh, replaced yes. by Malboy, um, who was able to work with uh, Paulini, Kate, I flipped the signs, you know, that does a slow <laughs> yep. stop thing on building sites. Um, Diarago and whoever the fucking other one was, can't remember. Um, I was wearing my Young Divas Mark II t-shirt the other day and someone stopped me and abused me about wearing, you know, a scab lineup Young Divas shirt, <laughs> you know, indicating that the Malboy lineup didn't stand for the same principles as the original lineup of the Young Divas and they were a disgrace to the Young Divas name yes. and brand. So, I mean, Ricky Lee had principles. So he did. She went on to... Um, was she a UN ambassador? <laughs> I believe I think she so. She was on Dancing with the Stars. I think they da- always get those two confused. Well, I think she was a UN ambassador um, after her stint on Dancing with the Stars, and she may have, and she's probably been on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here mm, as well. Probably in Marjorie commercial. Yeah, ways. exactly right. So there's a sort of so once you get rid of that, you know, and you were, you know Jessica Malboy obviously has big shoes to fill, <laughs> yeah. and someone took umbrage to the fact that you know my scab lineup shirt um, doesn't mm. wasn't wasn't good enough. You so shouldn't have crossed the picket line. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. So <laughs> look, can you tell me? Um, I hope you can. Who wrote this? Because I don't think Malboy was involved in the <laughs> writing of this song. Yeah, a depressing number of these idle people really don't seem. <laughs> You would think that they would break free from Idol and the first thing that they would want to do would be write their own songs. But yep. in fact, the first thing they usually do is uh, get on the phone, ask the operator what the international code is for dialing Scandinavia <laughs> and call up, uh, in this instance, uh, Danish DJ slash producers Jonas Jberg, Jberg and Mick Hansen and also Taj Jackson, nephew and lifelong defender of Michael Jackson. Oh, good. Now, Taj's career to date includes dating Kim Kardashian in high school. Really? Yep. Fucking uh, hell. Being in a boy band called 3T and looking after Michael Jackson's kids when he died. <laughs> he had co-guardianship. <laughs> Fuck. That experience helped him write this song about a chick whose boyfriend gets sick of her after a bit. <laughs> Uh, lyrics include uh, when we're at the club don't I shake it the way that turns you on mm. you couldn't take your eyes off of me you know that I'm hot but you want to make me feel like I did something wrong wrong now, I'm guessing it was either cop off with Nathan from Blockbuster wear rug boots onto the dance floor or order black sand booker shots in 2009 yeah because that shit does to your stomach what a pre-mixed fruit tingle does to beige upholstery oh completely agree look one thing that, that I find interesting about this, Tom, is that not only, you know, X Factor, Australian Idol, um, before that, pop stars, they're getting these young Australian talents, but they're farming everything else offshore. You know, it's yes. never, look, let's go, let's get a local, and that's the thing as well. I guess if it was a local, you know, who, who was that fucking DJ from a few weeks ago? That, <laughs> remember, I can't remember that Australian dude that did that real shit dance song. With oh, the, he was, yeah, TV, the, 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 yeah, TV t- rock. Yeah, yeah. Who, who was the, I can't remember the vocals on that. But that's yeah, the thing, like, X Factor and Idol, they're not saying, all right, let's go and find some local Australian songwriting talent at least to get some local no, songs written, no. and then we'll get Malboy to sing over the top of that. They're going straight to Sweden, they're going straight to Denmark, they're going overseas, they're they're often recycling songs that have been written yeah. from someone else before. And all so, they do on the show is covers. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's yeah. bullshit. So, yeah, that's no good. Um, but the other, that Taj Jackson story, it goes to show <laughs> that Kim Kardashian was just attaching herself to anyone <laughs> with any celebrity, even as yeah. a child. So this whole fucking... You know where she is now. This is thirty years in the making. This is like that's Michael Jackson's nephew. 
you better date that guy. Mm. So, and it's just been that ever since. So, it anyway. looked like the 3T thing looked like they pushed them. Like, they had some videos that looked like money was involved. Yeah. Like, it's not just people dancing around in a car park. But they, if they ever went anywhere, I couldn't find any evidence of it. Oh, they went. No, they didn't go anywhere. No, yeah, I don't think so. No. Unfortunately. So, look, there you go. I should have told them, look, you need four people for a boy. Oh, you do. But five, yeah. maybe six, possibly seven, pushing it. But three, that's it's not enough. Yeah, no idea. Look, Jessica Mowboy, she has um, a million listeners on wow. Spotify. Yeah. That's pretty so good, that's good for an idol. Winner, that's yeah. good for the I idol. Mean, she's been in films and things. She, she was has. In, uh, the what are they called? The, the sapphires. The sapphires. Yep. yep. So she does some acting as well. So she's um she's a triple threat, dance, vox, <laughs> and acting. Yes, dance definitely seems to be the thing yep. she's less comfortable with. Or this video. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this will cost you five dollars on Discogs. See, I mean, like if if we were going by the best song costs the most then this would be the best song we've ever had but it's got to be what you said it's just, yeah absolutely yeah, they're printing less and less of these especially an Australian single and yeah five bucks for this and that's actually pretty good because the median price for this on Discogs is ten dollars ninety five so wow. save your pennies if you want a copy of the Malboy's first single <laughs> burn there we go Alright, any more to say about Malboy? No, what have All we got right. next? Um, up next, we've got uh, for four... Sorry, that was... Did I mention it? Did we mention at the start that was for just one week? Yeah. So coming up next for four weeks is The Fray, You Found Me. <laughs> what can you tell me about this song or The Fray in general? Because I'd <laughs> forgotten that they existed. That's if I me even too. knew they existed in the first place. I think... To most people, the only thing that they would know the fray from would be How to Save a Life. That was their one... I thought that was their one hit, because that's the only thing I've ever heard of by them. Yeah. But I listened to that. I'd never heard it before in my life either, yeah. so... Oh, really? No, okay. no. Well, no. I, I, I didn't happened. know it was called The Fray. I just knew that must song. Have, and must have missed it, yep. Well, as we discovered over the previous weeks, there were record executives who heard that grunge was popular in 2003. Yep. Uh, 10 years too late but wanted it to sound more like dad rock with horseshit lyrics about getting a blowjob in a Mustang on the freeway doing 65 etc so they signed Nickelback who were successful but still too edgy you know too raw too out there so they signed uh, Matchbox 20 as well who talked about blowjobs a bit less but were tragically cut short when the lead singer was dragged into a wood chipper after snagging the cuff of his bootcut leather pants so next they tried Maroon 5, but this time the porridge was too hot. Oh, and by porridge, I mean the sizzling sex jams of Adam Levine, spending every day out on your corner in the pouring rain with the linings cut out of his trouser pockets. So after that, they toned it down more and signed One Republic, who had <laughs> been previously employed by a veterinary surgeon as a cheap alternative to animal tranquilizer, thinking <laughs> they were surely safe. But then One Republic released the song Apologise, which sounds safely AOR on the surface, but as we both know, is really a coded message of regret about the singer's long history of international sex trafficking. <laughs> yeah. So finally the record company scored some abandoned foreskins and cooked up enough stem cells to generate a large, wet, sort of glutinous mass the colour of a peeled hot dog. Yep. And then they put five vests on it and the three <laughs> were born. And this is their first hit, uh, You Found Me. Number yeah. one for four fucking weeks either. This is, was not a flash in the pan. Yeah. And I'd never heard this, so, you know, yeah. clearly I'm out of the phrase loop at this point. Look, Tom, the band members met in Christian school. 
and some of them played together in the same church oh. worship band, which tells you everything you need to know I about this. I was going to say that later on. Yes, please. Um, this is about as soft as frozen yogurt left outside for several hours in the middle of summer in Islamabad. Um, <laughs> it is weak as fuck. This is what Isaac Slade, vocalist for the band, had to say. Mm-hmm. As a boy, Bush's Swallowed was my siren song. I was a... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing off, never mind. No, I prefer the British guys who came along. I like. Officially sounded the death knell for grunge I like by being the third wave <laughs> yes. D tier Nirvana. And not even one of their good songs, nah. like one of their less good songs. I was a sheltered church child, and here's this man talking about living his life his way, doing whatever <laughs> he felt like doing. <laughs> Bush wasn't allowed in my house either, which made it even that more mysterious. Now, when Bush is banned in your house for being too extreme, it's safe to say yes. this dude has never listened to any good music in his life, which That's explains right. why the band is so terrible. Because, Tom, there are generally three reasons. We've not brought this up before, but I think um, my research has shown there are three reasons why a band sucks. Hmm. One, they don't practice enough. Sure. Okay. Guys get together, they don't really practice much, they never get good enough to do whatever, so the band's shit. Two, lack of songwriting ability. Sure. Maybe they practice well, there's some dudes that, you know, shred in their bedroom, really great guitar players, whatever, but they just don't have that knack of being able to pen a song. Yeah, they don't have the riff factor. No, they're very, very good at, you know, replicating things, but, you know, when it comes to writing their own music, no good. Or three... Imagine that one, you do practice enough. Two, you can write songs. Yeah. But the third reason why your band is terrible is just terrible influences. Ah, so yes. You can write a song, you're good at your instrument, but what you're aspiring to is fucking garbage. You want to be the next kid rock. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm not sure which category the fray falls into exactly, but certainly I think if, you know, Bush's swallowed is where you're aiming for. That's right. If you fall even a millimetre short of that, (laughs) you're in garbage territory, and I think that's where these guys have come. Not even garbage the band territory. No, just just trash. So look, the the guitarist from the fray first married at the age of 19, um, and that's what happens when you won't let people dick until marriage. (laughs) They get married about a decade and a half before they should, and as expected, they ended up divorcing, as this guy did. Um, He then started dating an actress. Well, I say actress. She's best known for a role in the Vampire Diaries, but look, this is how it works yeah. you're a Christian you get married when you're 19 because you just want to bang and that's what you have to do then you get divorced and then you're in the fray so then you can upgrade I guess into F tier actresses so that's what this guy's done exactly as Jesus would have wanted mm-hmm. you get married as young because no sex before marriage but then you, you divorce whenever you want and you go on and get someone more attractive or yeah. hotter so you know it's, it's how Jesus rolled and that <laughs> makes, makes perfect sense I think for the fray as well so mm-hmm. yeah Oh, look, man, I'm so glad that you said that because looking through the lyrics for this, I just couldn't help but think that this is, yeah, it's obviously a stealth Christian song. Oh, yeah, no doubt. We haven't coined a word for that, but we have come across several of them. There's a handful of princes that are like that because he would sort of go through Christian phases and also because he basically treated women's vaginas with the same reverence that he one would normally treat for, you know, the Holy Spirit and yep. the rest of the Trinity. <laughs> so it was often difficult to tell whether he was talking about vaginas or God or possibly both at the same yeah. time. 
So, you know, but but less interestingly, you do also get stuff like this where the band look like they came from a Christian school. They sound like they, you know, had to cut off their Bush album tap yep. because, you know, their parents found them and, you know, <laughs> acted like they'd been worshipping Satan on their nights <laughs> off. Exactly. And then, you know, they come out with this sort of stuff. And it might not even be, vol- it might not even be conscious. It no. might just be you know, the, the the background training coming through. But, yeah. Look, if the Frey had gone to school in the 80s uh, where I did, they would have been called the gay for 11 years. I'd, I'd say so. And either gone into accounting or accepted who they really are and started doing high-energy disco pop instead. Um, obviously, homophobia isn't great, don't get me wrong, but evil contains the seeds of its own destruction. In in this case, for instance, shitty, auction, shitty actions often have positive knock-on effects. Electing a rapist kickstarted the Me Too movement. Yep. The invasion of Ukraine could be the end of Putin as the world leader. And the fray being called the gay for 11 years would have meant I didn't have to listen to this song. Yeah, it, it, I think that, that holds that, that holds water for me, Tom, as well. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I'm not condoning man. it. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes, you know. No, absolutely not. No, you're not, con- you're not condoning that. But yeah, of course, of course, of course. One thing I will say about them, though, Tom, is that they refrained from releasing a Christmas album. Um, dropping only a Christmas EP. So oh. they just <laughs> realised that even these guys determined that a Christmas album is a project of diminishing returns and figured they could reduce the costs by booking just one day at the studio and pumping out five <laughs> Christmas songs, and that should really suffice. Sure. Um, they do O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, and O Come, Ye, all ye faithful so they do two songs about coming in a five song collection <laughs> read into that as you will Tom both very Christian yep. Christmas songs it's worth noticing no Frosty the Snowman no nah, exactly right um, look this is obviously a stealth Christian song we both know it mm-hmm. but according to singer Isaac Slade uh, You Found Me is a tough song for me it's about the disappointment the heartache the letdown that comes with life Sometimes you're let down, sometimes you're the one who lets someone else down. It gets hard to know who you can trust and who you can count on. Now that's valid, although you need to be pretty good to write a song about that. Say, the song Let Down by Radiohead, which isn't either boring as hell or just grim as fuck. And Isaac isn't pretty good or he wouldn't be in the fray. So instead we get stuff like, lost and insecure, you found me, you found me, lying on the floor, surrounded, surrounded... Why'd you have to wait? Where were you? Where were you? Just a little late. You found me. You found me. Now, it sounds like this means something powerful to the singer. Maybe a death close to him. Maybe addiction recovered from or lost. Someone lost to addiction or something. But that's not much good if you can't communicate at least the feeling of loss. And all this song communicates is the feeling of being stuck in a long queue at Target without headphones. <laughs> Correct. Um, and, yeah, look... As Other than that, it's a sneaky backdoor Christian song designed to reach out to the forgotten kids using rock and or roll to carry the message of the J-Man. Yep. And I mean, compared to Amy Grant, the fray do sound pretty extreme. They do. Look, this is definitely a song about Jesus, I think, Tom. Specifically the new Jesus, that ex-IT professional who lives in Queensland <laughs> who's claimed to be Jesus. I assume the, tr- the fray were probably having trouble with their new website and they reached out and found Jesus on Craigslist and they rest the say you know, How, how does his uh, Jesusness manifest itself? The, is he supernaturally good at fixing computers on the Gold Coast? Or? <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't live on the Gold Coast. Overall, he, he lives out, lives out in a farm somewhere. Um, 
in Queensland, but uh, he used to work in IT and he met, um, so he's Jesus, obviously, yeah. reincarnation of Jesus, and he met someone he worked with and it turned out that she was the... Um, the reincarnation of Mary Magdalene. So that was wow. very convenient. I was so. going to say, they should meet up with Stephen Seagal because yeah. he's the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. <laughs> I understand the three of them would really have a lot to yeah. say to each other. It's sort of, I can imagine that those dates must be great when you sort of, you know, you go on a first date, you know, <laughs> when do you, when do you drop that you're the new Jesus? Yeah, Not after yeah, the know. entree or so, you probably wait until desserts and just go, imagine going, oh, the relief. Would you like another drink? Yeah, I'll get, we'll have one for the road. Oh, by the way, I'm the new Jesus. And it's like, ah. Oh, well, I'm the new oh, Mary Magdalene, so fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're on so the that worked out pretty well, yeah, for sure. So I don't know what he does now. I assume he still, you know, fixes computers or something. Um, but like turning water into wine, he wouldn't have to do anything, I don't think, would he? So no. he sort of do a, a mystic sort of hand movement <laughs> and then the files would be erased from the hard drive or, or whatever the case needs to be. If Jesus came back to Earth with a godlike ability to repair computers right now he he would become world famous pretty fucking fast oh, definitely. if he could wave his hand over over <laughs> and a computer just, and, just and fix, fix it. any problem with it that'd be great would be, people would he would at that. least be astonishingly wealthy oh yeah for sure for sure so it, it, i sort of seem as like an elon musk type figure just, i think. I gotta say truly the i think the richest people i've met uh of my generation or younger mm. in real life have all been it people yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, I've, re- I've met richer old cunts who made money in real estate and owned big houses and stuff, but of my age or younger, yeah. Yeah, so the new Jesus, I think, fits into that category. So. Well, if he wanted to be wealthy... I mean, Satan would be pretty good in that role as well, wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, this is what happens when the fray come up. It's just your attention, it's just like water so off the rock. It just goes anywhere else. The fray the have eight and a half million... Listeners on Spotify. Locked. What's this song? What's this one called again? Uh, it's called "You Found Me." Um, yeah. Okay. So I don't know about that one, but "How to Save a Life" has had um eight hundred and seventy-four million listens. That was a big hit. Like so, I said, it's the only thing I can yeah. even Um, so yeah, eight and a half mil, and the cheap. You can pick this up for um a dollar seventy-five on the Discog. So not not That's too, far too much. expensive. <laughs> Fortunately, but a bit more than what I'd be willing to play, pay for this. So, all right, cool. Um, well, moving on, get out of the Well, up next is a real banger. Fucking seven weeks for this. Flow Rider featuring Kesha. Mm. Right round. Right round. Tell me about yeah. this. Seven weeks. Well, Flow Rider's <laughs> back. This is his second hit on the charts. We've yep. already covered, uh, what did we have last week? Ah, uh, his first one. His yeah. Sure, he got low, low, low. Yeah. Low. Apple bottom jeans. Yes, yeah. And this is Kesha's first appearance in the charts as well. She's, you know, doing backup, but yep. Uh, yep, this is the start of her career too. Uh, this song is essentially a dodgy hip hop knockoff <laughs> of Spin Me Round <laughs> sure bracket, like is. a record bracket by Dead or Alive. Uh, personally, I prefer the industrial cover by the band Dope for the American Psycho soundtrack. Yep but perhaps this one is more appealing to people who are less into nine-inch nails and more into nine-inch wide tribal neck tattoos that read Miami till I die with several of the words yeah, spelled wrong. indeed, indeed. Look, I do say the cover's always better than the original, but this, <laughs> this is the exception to the rule, Tom. The, yeah. the original is significantly better it's than a, this. This is one of those hip-hop ones. We need a word for this too. It's like a... It's like a cove. It's like half a cover. Yeah. It's sort of, you, you pinch the hook, the catchy, yep. listenable part of the song. Yeah. But 
the lyrics have been changed. Like, yeah. it, it is not the same verses. Yeah. Know? So, whatever that fucking is. It's Look, that. Dead or Alive used to be around as one of the finest songs of the 80s, obviously. Yeah, it's Massive a respect to Dead or Alive. Um, at the time for, for releasing this song, they pushed on despite the fact that the record label um, said, this song sucks. <laughs> wanted fuck all to do with it. Yeah, Pete Burns, the vocalist of Dead or Alive. He's um, led a very interesting life. That certainly, is. certainly has. He had to take out a £2,500 loan and pay for the recording himself because okay. the record label wouldn't touch it. Um, and even in the studio, the engineer, Phil Harding, who mixed the track, said that tensions are running so high between the band members <laughs> and producers Mike Stock and Matt Aitken during the mixing that it almost escalated to violence. Now, if only Pete had been pushed over the edge, pushed to commit homicide, pushed to murder Mike mm. Stock and Matt Aitken, then we wouldn't have any Stock, Aitken and Waterman and we wouldn't have any of the fucking terrible music that those two are responsible for for the rest of the decade That's and into true. the 90s. And look, I don't think any jury would convict based on those no, facts. So no. just play them some other, well, the other songs that they would never <laughs> oh, record. I should them, be so but. lucky, for instance. Absolutely. But yeah, so massive respect to Dead or Alive and yeah, Pete Burns. Uh, interesting character. So, Is he, did he go along with that route of um, what's his name, uh, Genesis P. Orange type of thing, where he got so much plastic surgery that he essentially turned himself into a different person? Is that who I'm thinking of? <laughs> um, I, 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 think, I don't think I might he, he be doesn't. A number of British pop eccentrics confused. Confu- no, you're you're, you're completely thinking of the right person, like. He he looks absolutely nothing. He all he at the, when in the dead. <laughs> yes, yeah. He's sort of transitioned, sort of. But yeah, yeah. And um, yeah cause, cause, around this bit, you spin me around. Period. He was known for wearing an eye patch despite having <laughs> two functioning eyes. He did. Uh, but that was the new romantic era when being a sort of techno pirate was all the rage. Yeah. So he's unfortunately. Dead now. Um, I think oh, he passed I away in 2015, 16, something like that a few years ago. Unfortunately, after this song, um, so he would have had to hear it at some point. But, yeah, he by the end, he, he didn't. you couldn't <laughs> pick him out in a police lineup if you had to identify the singer from Dead or Alive, um, unfortunately. But he, yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, I hope he made some money from the royalty. I hope he got a bit of cash mm. out of this, at least the £2,500 that it cost him to produce this in the first place. Because, um, you know, he deserves something out of this because this is, this is awful. Also, he got all those royalties from... Uh the name of the PlayStation's second best two-player fighting game. <laughs> well. It did? Yep, sorry. That's a shit joke. Um, all right, look. Uh, compared to the original, uh, this Flowrider right round featuring Kesha, uh, instead of using the analogy of comparing a rotating LP to the dizzying experience of falling in love, this song compares getting a blowjob to having your head rotate like the chick in The Exorcist. An experience which would certainly be fatal if Steven Seagal movies had taught me anything. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it is sort of weird. Um, Flo Rida did say, when asked about it, he said, this is a song he wanted to record because he was really interested in expanding his musical horizons. (laughs) He'd listened to You Spin Me Round and other songs like this when he was a kid. He was a big fan of that sort of music. Uh, That was the main influence. He wanted to capture the essence of the original 
um, you know, sort of about being made dizzy, I guess, what, you yeah. know, when you fall in love with something like that. Um, so, yeah, he was, in, he was just influenced by Dead or Alive and wanted to sort of capture yeah. the magic of that. Um, so, anyway, Bruno Mars, who co-wrote this song, Oh, really? Um, yeah, Bruno Mars yeah. is involved with this. When he was asked about it, he said, quote, it's a song about blowjobs, end quote. It's so, clearly a song about um, That wasn't a direct quote, but he did, <laughs> sorry, he did actually say, yeah, it's, it's yes. about it's about getting a blowjob. So, yeah. Um, so, thank you, Flowrider, for spinning some bullshit and then Bruno Mars look, for coming out and it saying It must have it. been one of the earliest things Bruno Mars did. It's like yeah. you didn't hear about him yeah. for like five years after this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he did that thing where you got to write a few songs for other people first. Yeah, go, he's yeah, a pretty yeah. good songwriter. Start off in production. And then it's yeah. like, all right, you can do your own thing now. So, yeah. Uh, the video features the rare uh, race reversal Eurobeat trick whereby a white singer, in this case Kesha, is lip-synced by several black models mm-hmm. paid to dance around with Flo Rida. Normally it's the other way around. Uh, Aunt Flo himself is giving a very low-energy performance here. Uh, he's wearing sunglasses at night indoors, obviously, yep. but he's also wearing a $30 Lacoste polo shirt and spends the entire video standing on a small, low, rotating platform like he's a fucking gift set of Synchrome spanners on The Price is Right. Yeah, look. He's not even dancing. He's just kind of vaguely sort of half-dabbing on a little microwave turntable going around. And you can tell it's the start of his career too because they can't afford jets, travel, bling or nightclubs setting or anything. So they're just playing them on a TV behind him, behind the rotating little thing. So it'll just say, like, London in a shitty gothic font and then there's a blurry picture of Big Ben behind him. Dude, we know you're not in fucking London. You're standing in front of a camera phone photo of Buckingham Palace waving a toy Learjet from the Hot Wheels collection. Nobody's <laughs> fucking fooled about this. It is an extremely low-energy performance from Flowrider. Dude looks like he was giving it about 10%. Like, yes. it's just... And you're right, it's sort of... Generally speaking, I wouldn't say... If you're going to do a, a rap song with a video, don't do... Don't use the song for the video that's the one on the album bragging about how much money you've got if you can't afford to at least make a rich-looking video. Oh, exactly. If you can't afford to rent a Rolls-Royce for an afternoon, then don't pick a different song to do the video for. Yeah, completely agree. Look, Flowrider demands, obviously, the finest items for his video clip. And when he asked for roller skates and jetpacks and they said, <laughs> not this time, he went, well, fuck it, I'm just phoning this one in. Yep. Because, yeah, it, it, it looks weak as shit, so I don't know. <laughs> Kesha didn't want to be in the music video. She was approached and asked if she oh, wanted really? to go. Yeah, okay. yep, they asked if she wanted to go in them. And she said, um, I think, because she hadn't released any of her own singles at yeah. this time. So, it's um, like that Katy Perry thing. Yeah, so she's, I think she said something like, no, I just want to make it on my own. I just want to be, I don't want to be known as, oh, that's that chick from yeah. that Flowrider song. That's quite um, smart. Which I read as saying, I don't want to appear in a video <laughs> for the song about giving Flowrider a blowjob. Yeah, and maybe that also point. given us some, you know, <laughs> the director had said, oh, this is, here's some yeah. sort of drawings of... Um, what we're going to do, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. And, uh, that sounds bullshit to me. I'm sitting this one out. Yeah, so. I do know too. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's something to do with that or not, but, uh, in the American release, she's not, she doesn't yeah. even get a featuring. Didn't it's only in the European ones. It says featuring Kesha. I don't know why, because she's American. So yeah, but yeah, maybe Apparently, she didn't want to even show up. Well, the rumor is that she made no money out of this at all. She got like basically no cash, oh, but it was okay. sort of like, uh, Hey, he's got to do this. Yeah. But she yep. didn't even get the exposure in the U S cause her name wasn't on there. Yeah. And, 
purportedly the reason why when she started stylizing her name Kesha with a dollar sign in the S, yeah. um, it was apparently after this, she said, oh, I didn't get any money from that, so I've just put a dollar sign in my name <laughs> for some reason. I, was, okay. I can't remember. It was some weird explanation, sure. but it was just sort of like, I don't, it's, it's to show, it's ironic. I don't actually care about money, so I'm putting the dollar sign sure, in there, sure. purportedly. <laughs> anyway, the CD single for this, Tom, the B-side um, is a Travis Barker remix of Low, so <laughs> that sounds red hot. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have anything else for this? I was going to just mention some of the awesome lyrics. Um, please, go ahead. Uh, hey, shorty must know I'm the man. My money love her like a number one fan. Don't open my mouth, let her talk to my bands. My Benjamin Frank Alans. A couple of grands, I got rubber bands. My paper planes making her dance. So he's rhymed bands with bands and Franklin there. Uh, get dirty all night, that's part of my plan. We building castles that's made out of sand. That's actually a bad thing. I don't know what it is. She's amazing, her fire blazing, hotter than Cajun. Girl, won't you move a little closer? Time to get paid, it's maximum wage. That body belongs on a poster. I'm in a daze, that bottom is waving at me like, damn it, I know you. Doing a show like a gun out of holster. Tell me whatever, then I'll be your chauffeur. Yeah. Now, I think that last line reveals the truth, is that Flory Rider got his name from his day job of Uber driver, yeah. Ben. That's why this entire song is bullshit about how rich he is. Uh, the problem is, if the bling-obsessed stripper depicted in these lyrics bothers to YouTube his second single, she'll see that Aunt Flo can't even afford a travel agent poster of Big Ben. And then she's going to tell him to stick his giant turntable up his ass and rotate on it, I suspect. Exactly, yeah. I think. Also, yeah, this, sorry, belongs in... I think I've mentioned this before, but one of the... <laughs> it has at least two of the top five weird things that rappers brag about for reasons I don't understand, which is a chick who's only into you because you've got money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is a, a yeah, weird brag. Yes, it's not. It's a cell phone, really, yeah. you know. She only likes me because I've got cash. It's like, yeah, because you're a fucking dickhead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is pretty weird. Look, um, I think you're right. It sounds like Flowrider does sound like the sort of name that you... you if I, you know, I'm booking an Uber and the name Flowrider popped, mm. I'll be like, fuck yeah, I'm yeah. going to book that shit. That sounds awesome. Um, and it's also good that, you know, as we get into 2022, people are talking a lot about cost of living expenses, inflation, but don't worry, because if you work for Flowrider, it's maximum wage with that guy. <laughs> so I'm only on minimum wage. Go work for Flowrider. He'll pay you maximum wage. I don't know what maximum wage is, but sounds pretty sweet. Do you pay minimum wage? I pay fucking maximum. Thank mm. you for that. So, look... Um, also, that body belongs on a poster. I mean, it does kind of defend what poster we're talking about. Yeah, you know, <laughs> for sure. If it's body of evidence, fine, that's yep. good. If it's critters four, you know, <laughs> yeah, critters go to Mars, then maybe not so good. Ghoulies three, ghoulies go to college. You don't want to be on that poster. Um, Flowrider's got 22.8 mil That's nuts. Um, yeah. on the Spotify, which doesn't surprise me. Now, on Discogs, you can pick this up for 59 cents, but I will let you know that the seller has said the media is poor, which means <laughs> it's scratched to fuck, and I don't think it will play. So you might want to fork out the next cheapest one if you really need a copy of this which I think is three bucks so oh, okay. there you go so 59 cents if you just want it for the cover <laughs> because it's not going to play but the cover is pretty sick it's a picture of Flowrider um, with a yeah. gold chain saying born in Miami 
I like that they've clearly CGI'd in the gold watch and gold necklace. Yep. But they haven't been able to get uh, the. They haven't paid for the the add-on pack for the free 3D program that they've used that allows you to have realistic metal textures. So it kind of looks like he's got some weird butter sculpture around yeah, his neck. It's definitely. very strange. I do like, however, though he's got his uh, dorky 3D chunky letters rap name as required by all rappers that yep. you later get into a necklace or a knuckle ring. Uh, except he's incorporated the shape of the state of Florida into his name. Which is fucking so I good. Mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty it. great. I, I truly wonder who, in terms of listenership, wins the king of Miami, whether it's Flo Rida or Pitbull. Oh, like, Jesus. Who's, who do you reckon is that, you know? Uh, I'd hate to choose between those two. Um, I'm going to throw two live <laughs> crew into the ring as well. Um, oh, no, but they've act- they're actually old and a bit more interesting. That's true. Like, these guys, in terms um, of... Uh, I, think doing... we've, I think we do have a record, though, for the Discogs. Um, if you want to get a copy of this on 12-inch, and who wouldn't, um, it's going to cost you 70 bucks. Whoa, okay. So, um, yeah. One for sale, $70. And the B-side is an instrumental version um, (laughs) of Right Round. So don't go and spend the 70 bucks thinking you're going to get the Travis Barker remix of Low. You drop the cash, you flip the record over and go, this isn't the drummer from Blink-182 with a blessed tattoo under his eye doing a remix of Low. This is something else. So just want to give that forewarning. Is that who Travis Barker Yeah. Yeah, that so, guy who's engaged to one of the Kardashians and has blessed him. I thought it was that guy who all those people in uh, Taxi Driver, but I think, <laughs> think it was something else. So yeah, Travis, you're going to need the CD single for that Travis Barker remix, just letting sure. you know. Anything else to say about the Flow Rider? Uh, no. Good. No. So who's up next? Who have we got? Oh, well, Tom... The first time, and dare I say not the last, for Ooh. two weeks is Taylor Swift with Love Story. Sure is. Their entry to the Aussie uh, number ones. The yeah. old Tay-Tay in here. What can you tell me about this, Tom? This is, um, not that anyone probably know, needs to know this, everyone I'm sure already knows, but she's uh, she's in country mode at the moment, is that correct? Yes, or she's sort of mid-crossover. Mid-crossover. She's, she's doing a Shania Twain, she's doing a Leanne Rhymes yep. and stuff. Yep. Uh, is this her can't fight the moonlight? Is this is, is this that from yeah, Kylie Ugly? Yeah, I think so. Um, does it have a fiddle in it? <laughs> it sure there fucking you go. does. All right, we're still in country territory. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Tell me got, about this. It's still got country twang, a, t- a touch of it anyway. Mm. It actually doesn't have country twang. It's got country uh, production, but yeah. <laughs> Taylor said she was inspired to write love story when she was going through a difficult situation with a boy she liked, uh, a rich vein that she's still mining to this day. The song has been rumoured to be about two singers, the first being Joe Jonas of the Jonas Brothers, or the Poor Man's Hanson, as I like to call them, uh, since it was recorded in March of 2008, just a few months before she actually started dating him. And the second rumoured subject of the song is Boys Like Girls frontman Martin Johnson, whom Swift had a brief link with in 2008, and collaborated with to pen the band's track Two Is Better Than One and her song If This Was A Movie. Now that's a fitting match for the star-crossed lovers theme of the song, as sources claim that although the pair were into each other, Taylor's publicists felt he was not a good match for her American sweetheart image, Mm. with him being a punk rocker who was going through personal issues at the time. Now note a couple of things there. One, it shows how she's already in a position where the publicists are dictating who she's allowed to go out with. Yep. 
So she's that kind of artist at this time already. And two, that we are heading into influencer territory at this point where image... I mean, I know the idea of rock stars having pseudo-fake relationships isn't entirely new, but we're definitely heading into that sort of, you know, just mutual branding territory here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, She chose to portray the story of Romeo and Juliet in the song because she felt like she could relate. Uh, Quote, I used to be in high school where you see a boyfriend every day. Then I was in a situation where it wasn't so easy for me and I wrote this song because I could relate to the whole Romeo and Juliet thing. So just to clarify, Taylor felt she could identify with the love-drunk, suicidal, pubescent offspring of warring clans from the 16th century play Romeo and Juliet because she used to go to high school where she would see her boyfriend every day, but then she stopped going to high school and didn't see him every day anymore. Yeah, what the living fuck is she talking about? I mean, referring to Shakespeare when talking about music and songs in general, is that to give it some sort of level of credibility in her mind or other people's minds? Is it like, yeah. what was the, what's the, what? why did you write this song? Oh, well, you know, Shakespeare inspired me to do the lyrics and people go, oh, Shakespeare, this must be quite literary. It must be of high quality. Yes. Um, <laughs> but clearly in this point, bringing Romeo and Juliet into the story that you've just told makes absolutely no fucking sense. Maybe no. if Adam Sandler suggested that Hamlet was a source material don't mess with the Zohan, people would be like, yeah. oh, it's a literary piece that Adam's <laughs> doing with this one. So, look, I don't know what's going on. Obviously, you mentioned before about Taylor mining relationships. Mm. She's strip mined for relationships to the point of causing yes. irreversible environmental damage to the very concept of relationships <laughs> at this stage. If you went out for a coffee with Taylor and she asked for a flat white, but you accidentally ordered ordered her a latte that's about three albums worth of material for her I'd say <laughs> yes. but I do like how people enjoy speculating about who the songs are yeah, about even back then even in yep. 2008 they were working out like I don't even fucking remember oh who, she dated Jake Gyllenhaal for two weeks just before the album yeah, came out it must be a song about like that girls, for Christ's sake so, yeah. she also dated a guy called um, Cord Overstreet <laughs> <laughs> so I assume it's pronounced Cord. Could be pronounced Chord, but uh, I assume it's Cord. She dated Roger Fake Name. Roger Fake Name. So, I mean, fucking hell. Yeah, the Romeo and Juliet thing. Chord over the street. Holy fucking shit. That sounds like a cartoon character, like a puppet from the puppet show. It does. Okay, what did you... Did you watch the video? I did. What did you make of the video? Now, at the start... She's walking along. She sees a boy sitting under a tree. Now, I don't know whether I I blinked for a bit and I missed the sort of hazy, soft focus that indicates we've travelled back in time. Is this... Was it meant to be set today and they're just wearing real old outfits? Or was it meant to be her daydreaming about life back in the past or something? Couldn't tell. Anyway, it was just sort of a typical, what, (laughs) mid-17th century... Something people dare. Oh, yeah, who knows? It, of, it was it's like generic period. Yeah. What Americans, you know, like. Well, what? Yeah. What? Do, I mean, that's what I have to say. What did the general public have to say? What? What does anyone refer? How? What are people talking about the video clip? What well, are they saying? I mean, you'll be relieved to hear that the song's music video was described as timeless by Taylor Swift. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, love Story's plot was a timeless scenario. I think it could happen in the 1700s, the mm-hmm. 1800s, or 2008, okay. which is exactly as geographically specific as the video is. Yep. Uh, not the 1900s, though, no. or the 1600s, or perhaps the 1500s when Romeo and Juliet was written. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I'll tell you one thing. She's fucking lucky that Wes Carr came out with the song You at the arse end of last mm. year. Because otherwise this would 100% win the worst song title of the decade award, I reckon. Love story. Yeah, God's I mean, sake. geez, it couldn't get more generic. It, yeah, in her defence, she's only 20 years old here. So she probably wrote this when she was still a teenager. Yep. Um, also, at this point, she's being pushed heavily as a country crossover. So every aspect of her image, including, as mentioned, who she's even going out with, yep. is being viewed through an eight-inch thick layer of bulletproof plexiglass Kmart wholesomeness erected around her by Sony publicists. And the song has to feature a fiddle whether you want it to or not. Yep. It's got to have a tiny bit of country twang. Now, God help me, Ben, but I found this to be quite catchy, yep. I must admit. The last verse where it's sort of rocks out got stuck in my head for several days it did it's got it's like that what well, we talked about it before that sort of disembodied catchiness factor which is not related to actual song quality or anything but does nonetheless exist yeah yeah and i yeah i hate to say it but this sort of country pop rock jamboree starting a starring a teenage ya cover model seems to be about as close to a power ballad as i can hope for these days look absolutely credit where credit's due taylor she's written a fucking lot of songs she sure a has lot of hits. and she does write her own songs she does can't that's, take that's that away the thing she's she's like i don't know how many albums deep she's these yeah. days but she must be about 10 albums deep i mean no wonder she strip mines her relationships you'd be fucking running out of material yeah, you would. At this absolutely. Point. after 20 years what the fuck else would you say so, yeah, she's written a lot of tracks a lot of catchy tracks and i i agree with you tom this hits harder than any power ballad released in the last <laughs> 10 years it sort of comes in with that fiddle solo there is guitars in it it's like yeah, oh, yeah. it did so, brings it back for the last verse and does a kind of yeah. sort of like know. i wasn't quite willing to punch a hole in the wall but it <laughs> no, was there's no good. solo no there's no no one does a solo on top of the church where but, she's hanging but out. um yeah definitely a lot harder than those other so-called quote power ballads that people talk about this oh, is way yeah. better than that this um, is this is tougher than Fucking the fray. Oh, this which is, is this supposed is to fucking, be a rock this song. Is hard as nails. But it's like yogurt that's been Definitely. fed through a blender in case it wasn't runny enough. Yeah. Do you prefer the country era of Taylor or the <laughs> pop era, Tom? Or can, are you happy with both? Take or leave either of them. I prefer. I think. I think I prefer her sort of middle period. Yep. Where I think in the modern stuff she's falling down that Gwen Stefani thing of trying to sound too hip hop. Oh, yeah. Because hip hop is kind of the prevailing pop style of the, the 2010s yep. and the 2020s as well, up until this point. And that gets embarrassing because although she is, as you see in this, <laughs> in this video, she is spectacularly attractive. I have mm. to say, the, the first thing, it's, it's the same as with, I mean, it, I know reducing people to their looks, you know, is, you know, fairly lame. And unimaginative, but there are some people like Shakira and Taylor Swift where the first time you see them in any context, your first reaction is just to go, fucking hell, that's a very attractive person. You know, if you found out she was the ambassador for Ecuador, you'd yep. go, Jesus Christ, Ecuador's punching above their weight in the ambassadorship territory, yep. but she just happens to be a country crossover person. But she's also very, 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 very Teutonic and white looking, which mm. is perfect for country pop, but when she starts wearing bling and trying to use stuff that she read off black Twitter, you know, to introduce songs, like, you know, it just gets really embarrassing. So I reckon sort of middle bit where she's just doing fun pop stuff, I reckon that was her, you know. And she was only halfway through her boyfriend's list, 
You know, yeah. Because now, now it seems like she's starting relationships just so she'll have something to fucking write about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and what she's... if I went out with a death metal vocalist for two weeks? How could I get an album out of that? Yeah, it should be able to. <laughs> um, and also, we we should mention that Taylor is going to the effort of re-recording all of her old oh, albums. Yeah, that's uh, right. So but why was that? Because she felt like she was under some unfair contract or something, and. Yeah, so she her own way. well, yeah. she has she has a fuckload of money, obviously. Yes. Um, so what happened was, I think her her the the um, record label which she was signed to, yeah, I believe that got purchased by someone that she, uh, I think maybe a, a former manager or something like that, that she just doesn't like this person. Uh, and they and are then, in the rights. I to believe her so. Earlier and then I think ah, okay. they might have even sold the rights to her music yep. and but they didn't say hey we're selling the rights to your music Taylor do you want it she probably would have just bought yes. them back herself yep. but I believe they were sold to someone else and she's like well I didn't even get the opportunity to buy them so I'm going to make that music worthless because I'm just going to re-record all the albums again put them on Spotify uh, say to the fans hey you can just listen if you want to listen to those songs, why don't you listen to the albums that I've recorded myself? Uh, and that's is that what the Taylor's version thing Correct. is from? Correct. Yeah, ah, exactly. No, I didn't know what that. So meant. because she's written all the own, uh, because she's written all the songs, she already has all of the songwriting rights. Yeah, she, she owns just those. doesn't own. She doesn't own the master recordings. recordings. Yeah. So if oh, she okay. records them again, then it makes <laughs> the other ones less valuable. So it's very clever, but. It is, it's a very time-consuming process, and I imagine, <laughs> yeah. I also imagine that for a Taylor, an 18-year-old Taylor Swift and a 30-year-old Taylor Swift's vocals probably don't quite sound the same, you know? Like, you no. change. So I'm not sure whether she's tried to do it exactly note per, like, I don't know whether she's she... probably a better singer now, yeah. I would have thought. And also, the songs that 10 years on, you're like, actually, that's a bit of a shitter. Do you like, still just do it again and go, oh, fuck, this is actually hot garb. Or do you sort of tweak it a bit or leave it off? So, I don't know. I, I, I think she's just going, I think she's just doing the whole fucking thing though. So, yeah. I mean, hats power off, to her. Hats off for effort. Also, hats off for being kind of low grade. Uh, I, I have a low grade, it's not very good karma wise, but I have a low grade respect for people who hold a grudge for a oh, very long fuck time. Yeah. And will go, will go to great lengths to get back at someone yep. who they, you know, felt they were fucked over by. For it's sure. Like that, it's like that finding out that that uh, Gwen Stefani song, uh, Holler Back, was about, rather than what I'd thought, which was about guys yelling at you from a car about you being a hot babe, was actually about how she read in an interview that. Um, Fucking Courtney Love called her a cheerleader. Said she was a cheerleader, well, not that. even in a derisive way, really, just in passing. Yeah. And then she wrote a whole song. Just me, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so look, um, tell me about Taylor's uh, early lyrics. How did oh, she go? Okay, here? yeah. Because you were Romeo, I was a Scarlet Letter, and my daddy said stay away from Juliet. But you were everything to me. I was begging you, please don't go. And I said, Romeo, take me somewhere we can be alone. I'll be waiting. All there's left to do is run. You'll be the prince and I'll be the princess. Mm. So, okay, she's only a few years out of high school, to be fair. But I'm guessing that she got a C- minus in English lit because she seems to think that, A, the Scarlet Letter takes place in Romeo and Juliet. It's a completely different thing. B... The Scarlet Letter in The Scarlet Letter is a person, not a letter. C, uh, the male lead of the world's most famous play is called Juliet. D, that Romeo and Juliet has a happy ending where the couple elope together. 
and E, that Romeo and Juliet were a prince and a princess, which they definitely were not in the film. They're yeah. just like rich people, kids. Yeah, look, um, in terms of the Romeo and Juliet stuff, she fucked up a lot of the details. <laughs> But um, fortunately for her, no one who knows, no one's ever read it, so she should be able to yeah, get away with that. It's really got lost to time. Hasn't it, it has <laughs> absolutely. So um, Taylor I was Swift. I going to say, she always struck me as being, as her recent appearance in the <laughs> insane uh, marijuana masterpiece, the Cats motion picture, two hundred million dollar butthole fest. Uh, proves she's always got a, had a touch of a theatre kid about her to me. She always struck me as a theatre kid. Yep. And this song reads as exactly the kind of thing that a 19-year-old theatre kid would write who just watched Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. And yeah. Thought, oh, that's just like my life. The slight problem is that that film came out 13 years before this. So yep. she would have been six at the time. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. So it's possible she's watched it every week in the ensuing 13 years, but who knows? Yeah, no doubt. So, no, I completely agree. Look, Taylor's got 55 million listeners wow, on Spotify. That's up, there. that's up there in Eminem terrain, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Now, look, what we should have done was, Tom, and I didn't do that before the podcast, but we could have listened to this and then we could have listened to Love Story Taylor's version. Oh yeah, and we could have and we could have been like, oh, they sound exactly the same. Or she's done this. <laughs> so if any more Taylor songs show up in the future, I will, I will do that. I will listen surely, to that. Surely they will. Oh, I've got absolutely no doubt they will. Now, um, the cheapest one for the single I could find on Discogs yep. is fifteen bucks. Wow. That's the cheapest one, Fuck and that will. and that doesn't have the sleeve. It's just the <laughs> disc. Um, so you're not going to get if you want one with the disc. Uh, sorry, you want one that's a disc. And sleeve, you're going to have to pay um, a little bit more. It's still fifteen dollars, but you're going to have to get that from Belgium. So this is actually making me so, a bit sad. You know, we we're going to hit the point eventually yeah. where they're not. They're just not going to be on physical media. Are yeah. they? they're just going to be no. download only. There's a dude in Israel trying to sell one for seven hundred bucks. So <laughs> good luck There's with always that. Some good luck with that. Yeah, absolutely. It. Um, cool. Anything more to say about Taylor? No, no, no. look, we'll, we'll talk about her in the future, I'd say. So coming up next for... So how many weeks was that one, did I say? That was... That was two, two weeks for that no. one. Um, also for two weeks, 27th of April, um, Jai Ho, Jai Ho. Jai Ho. You Are My Destiny, A.R. Raman and the Pussycat Dolls featuring Nicole Swerzinger. So there's a lot to unpack <laughs> there. What can you tell me about this? Jai uh, Ho, you ask... Who is the hoe in the title? Mm-hmm. Is it too obvious to say that it's Nicole Scherzinger, Probably. not her real name? Which is a name that she bizarrely came up with. Yeah, that's a bit reductive. Jai Ho is actually a Hindi expression that means let victory prevail. And is sometimes used after the name of a personal entity, such as Mother Earth, Jai Ho, or Carlton Football Club, <laughs> yeah. Jai Ho type of thing. Uh, the song, the original song, the Indian lyrics song, is credited to Indian composer A.R. Rahman, and the Pussycat Dolls. Yep. Hang on. Recorded for the re. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. That's the original. This version is credited to A.R. Rahman and the Pussycat Dolls. Recorded for the re release of the group's second studio album, Doll Domination, uh-huh. 2008. It's an English remake of the original Hindi song, Jai Ho, which is taken mm. from the soundtrack to the hit film Slumdog Millionaire. And the cover of the single kind of meshes them together, so that it's like they're sort of covering their bases, you know. So you'll recognise it if you want the film song, and you'll recognise it if you're looking for the Pussycat Dolls one. 
The remake was conceived by record executives Jimmy Iovine, Iovine again, and Ron Fair, who tasked the Dolls lead singer Nicole Scherzinger with creating a pop record that didn't deviate from the original melody. So that was the you go. You can't change the melody. Yep. Do the lyrics, and she was like, "That's fine. I don't know how to write music anyway." Uh, Iovine and Fair also asked a number of other writers to create interpretations of the song to possibly release in lieu of this, including Brick and Lace, The Writing Camp, and Esther Dean. So I can only imagine how dodgy those versions were. <laughs> Absolutely, if this was the winner. Look, this is the polar opposite of organic songwriting. Um, yes. People coming together <laughs> with a shared love of music and the human creative process and wanting to create something new yeah. out of nothing. It actually made me appreciate Taylor Swift. Yeah, exactly. This is a billionaire <laughs> record label owner saying, oh, that fucking Slumdog Millionaire film was popular and I think the song won the Grammy <laughs> for the best song that year. I bet we could make some cash off an English language version if we did that. Yep. Why don't we do it? Oh, and let's get that hot chick from the Pussycat Dolls to perform it. Mm. So it just seems like a cash grab to me. <laughs> yes. um, do you know if Nicole also rewrote the theme song from uh, Come Dog Millionaire, which is um, a spiritual sequel, I believe. So <laughs> I don't know. She probably no, did. I think that starred Joy Ho. Is yeah. One of the actresses. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That was dodgy. No one even calls people hoes anymore. It's good by the wayside. It's all <laughs> it's good. It's called Joy Thought. That'd be different. <laughs> uh, look, um, A.R. Raman is a very prolific Indian composer who I'd never heard of, but he's done a shitload of film scores and soundtracks. He won two Oscars for Slumdog wow. Millionaire, got two Oscar nominations for 127 Hours, and also has a Grammy, a BAFTA, and a Golden Globe. Mm. As far as I know, the Pussycat Dolls have not achieved that. At oh, this the stage. Pussycat Dolls are not in the biz for awards, Tom. Um, <laughs> it's people coming together with a shared love of music, the human creative process, and the want to create something out of nothing. Mm. Um, and PVC, a lot of PVC, I think, as well. They <laughs> yes. do like that. Uh, look, this is the first movie song we've had yeah, in a long time. Yeah, it is. It's the only one this year, but I don't even know if there was one last year, for instance. Yep. Did, which other movie songs did we miss out on this year, though, just because uh, they didn't hit number one? Well, look, the only one that I could find, Tom, I mentioned at the top of the podcast, was New Divide by Linkin Park from Transformers' Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, okay. Now, that definitely doesn't sound like a throwaway track that wasn't good <laughs> enough for their albums. Not that I've actually heard any of them, but I imagine no. to get to be a band as big as Linkin Park, you need material better than the song from Transformers Revenge of the Fallen but I do believe Michael Bay reached out and said we, I need a song for the, for the film and they just penned this probably truly 24 the, hours he truly is the Linkin Park of directors <laughs> absolutely Bay. he does one thing I can't argue with it. He no. does one thing very successfully. It's yep. just not something I'm particularly interested no, in. No, it's like, what? so what's going to happen? What We need some context for the song. What are you talking about? There's going to be a fucking explosion <laughs> and we need a hard rock song to go with that explosion. All right, we can do that. Or it's going to be fucking someone getting hosed down in a bikini. Um, or a car flying backwards over an express ray at yep. the magic hour over a huge explosion. Yep. Exactly. So there you, you go. that, easy do I. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the one from this year that I picked on, but um, no sure. others, sorry. See, no, really, they, they didn't stick out. It's just the way it is these days. Yep. Uh, in case you were wondering, how come the Pussycat Dolls, which include Nicole Scherzinger as a member are now listed as the Pussycat Dolls featuring Nicole Scherzinger. <laughs> well, the Pussycat Dolls had the same fucking question, and sadly it led to them breaking up 
and Nicole Scherzinger going solo with all of those other hits of hers that we love so How much. How insecure do you have to be that you demand the yeah. song is credited to the Pussycat Dolls featuring Nicole Scherzinger yeah. only- when you are already in the Pussycat yes, Dolls. and the leader of the Pussycat exactly. Dolls. As previously stated, the Pussycat Dolls are essentially just a rotating, revolving Menudo-style melange of just anyone she can hire that's the right yep. age, height, looks good in someone, outerwear. Yeah, if you, she is already the Pussycat Dolls. If you dolls. say to someone, the Pussycat Dolls, the first person they think of it, they don't think they don't even know the names of anyone no. else. They just go, oh, Nicole Swerzyak and those other fucking member, ones. Basically. She's so, the lead singer. She's in the centre always. She's always the focus of every video. Yep. She runs the whole show. She the other people are just up the back, basically. Yeah, but that's not good enough for um, <laughs> So, obviously, she needs people to know that she's involved in this to the point of having her name in the title, despite the fact that she's in the musical group that it's also credited yes. to. You know, other people don't do that. You don't see a song credited as U2 featuring um, Edging and The Boner. You don't You don't see that, <laughs> no, do you? No, you do not. You don't see that, no. U2 and The Boner. You and, don't and see Bono that. And Bono is not a guy who's shy of ego. Exactly. Either. But even The Bono is like, yeah, people know that I'm the lead singer of U2. Yeah. I don't need to... I don't need to put in there U2 brackets featuring Bono. It's just like, we fucking know you're in there. So, fuck knows why they did it and why the other people just went, can we just not do that? It's just fucking stupid. So, anyway, look. In some ways, I feel like, from a musical credibility angle, although I guess she's not really interested in that. She wants fame, not Oh, clearly, yeah. If you're asked, I reckon from musical credibility, our angle being the lead singer in a band that's not named after you actually ha- carries more weight than yeah. just being a solo artist named after yourself but yeah whereas yeah i guess that that always, that she's not into she really just wants her name to be on the front of the like i'm i'm not a i'm not a big fan of um for example so the stooges yeah yeah when all of a sudden they said oh it's now iggy and the stooges it's kind of like yeah. I don't know, man. Do, do we really need that? That's right. So, and, you know, not that I, you know, I, I have respect for, for Iggy Pop. I'm not calling him out particularly. It's just one that I thought of at the top of my head. But, yeah, it just sort of seems weird when it's like, we've got the band and now we're just going to, you know. Yeah. And um, Nick Cave has done it as well. I mean, it's just like, oh, it has to be Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's just like, well, couldn't it have just been what you used to be called? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but it's sort of. So I always find that a little bit weird when it's kind of like, oh, I gotta be fucking front and centre. So. I mean, I I feel uh, slightly unfair about being so mean to Nicole Scherzer yet. It's just that, as discussed, all of her interviews I've seen and all of her. <laughs> The actions that she chooses to take do seem to indicate that she's just a bit of a nightmare she to be around. She sounds so, fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, if I hadn't found out that that was what led them to break up, I might have just suspected, oh, maybe they just edged her out yeah. because she's so irritating. But look, Nicole is uh, part Hawaiian and part Filipino, but that doesn't stop her dancing around in full Bollywood get-up for this video, yeah. um, including face paint, Hindi dress, eye makeup, etc. I'm not saying that's a cancellation offence, I'm just saying it's tacky as hell, yep. especially for a song from a film about crushing poverty uh, in, in a different country. Oh, and the Indian market set they're posing around in in the video with the, with the trams... Yep. Uh, as sort of featured in the film, is actually the Tramway Museum in Austria. 
Oh, God forbid fantastic. they actually go to a third world country to film it and maybe <laughs> of course. accidentally drop some money on the locals, you know, for their oh, culture. Or but look, I imagine, Tom, a stroll along the Danube is just like <laughs> sitting by the side of the Ganges, you know, <laughs> flaming corpses, antibiotic-resistant flesh-eating bacteria in the water, those sorts of things. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, what else? Did you have any opinions? How did you feel about this song? Oh, it sucks. Not for me. <laughs> um, move on. What about the lyrics? You, you know what it reminded me of? Yep. It reminded me of those sort of uh, mid-90s to mid-aughts uh, World Cup football songs that we would do. <laughs> yeah. that, they're kind of like they're kind of like Eurovision in that the chorus is always like, Joe Ho, it's always some not-quite-English pronouncement of celebratory, you know, with a chorus that even drunk... English people can sing along to, yeah. But then the lyrics kind of just are this melange of semi sense. If two thousand nine was a World Cup year, I guarantee it would have been. Yeah, used, so. it, it definitely has a Ricky Martin vibe. Yeah, to it, definitely. Anyway. What about the lyrics? What, well, did, what was Nicole able to conjure? Well, similarly, yeah, they'd have a sort of cobbled together feel. Uh, escape away. I'll take you to a place. This fantasy of you and me. I'll never lose the chase. I can feel you. Rushing through my veins, there's an ocean in my heart, I will never be the same, just keep it burning, yeah baby, just keep it coming, you're going to find out baby, I'm one in a million, well she was one in five, but apparently that wasn't good enough. Oh look, she's selling herself short, I think on the irritating (laughs) scale, it's more like one in a billion I'd say. (laughs) Yes, well, um, yeah, I mean those lyrics, they sound like something that you would put to go between the choruses of a song that you had no idea what it was actually about and you just yeah, yeah exactly look the Pussycat Dolls um, they've got 9.9 million monthly many. listeners on Spotify which is amazing seeing they only had two albums and not that many hits no. so, but don't you I mean we've talked about that's a fucking <laughs> banger I listen to that every day so I'm, I'm responsible for this Tom um, yeah, they didn't write any of their songs no, You Are My Destiny um, that's been streamed 100 million times okay. on Spotify um, but yeah, compared that to Don't You, which has been streamed 400 million times, so it's obviously the bigger of the song. Yeah. Um, you can pick this up on Discogs for $2.89, oh, yeah. which is actually pretty cheap <laughs> by, by today's standards. Yeah. Exactly right. So, um, look, that's the Pussycat Dolls. Good to see those guys back <laughs> in the charts. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure Nicole probably, I, I hope she doesn't, but I'm sure she'll be back in the future with some... You know, solo bullshit, probably. So, anything else to say about that? No, no. no. What have we got next? Um, so, we're into May now. For one week for this, Eminem, We Made You. I'd forgotten this one. Oh, so uh, would I. Yeah. Uh, it's what do you got to say? Of, it's kind of a return to his earlier... He's been away for a while. He took a three-year sort of hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this kind of it feels like a return to his earlier sort of sillier stuff. Yep. I understand most of this album was not like that, but but they dropped a couple and they record company again probably felt safest going with something that they felt like people were familiar with. Yep. Uh, the melody is built on a sample of B tier easy listening standby Hot Summer Nights <laughs> Good. by Walter Egan. Maybe that might be C tier even supermarket <laughs> rock type. Um, it it's is... definitely not B tier. I think it's lower <laughs> than that, but yeah. It's less than you might think from the odd structure of the song, though, it's not a. This isn't a cove. It's not a um, flow rider situation. Uh, the female vocal half of the song, I thought that must have been the older part, yep. but it's not. That's new mostly. It just sounds kind of awkwardly fitted to 
the song sort of switches back between a sort of it's kind of one of those uh, increasingly less common hip hop songs that still has a verse chorus verse structure yep. you know with a bridge and stuff and the ver- the chorus structure is the female vocals which is sort of melodic and then it switches to his kind of look who's back shady's back kind of fast rapping and then when that ends it's just back to this other yeah. song and stuff and then somewhere buried under that is Hot Summer Nights by Walter yeah I mean Jesus <laughs> <laughs> um, did you notice that in the vocal delivery he was rastering this up a few notches? You know, no, so when he, when he was didn't. sort of doing the rapping, it sort oh, of okay. it sounded like it was. Uh, I'm not sure whether he was paying homage to Snow or Ice MC, <laughs> who or perhaps uh, rastif- rastified by um, Juvenotti, yes, <laughs> Italy's so, finest hip hop. Yeah, so I'm not sure what was going on there, but it sounds like he was giving a bit of that Rasta twinge, so I think probably, maybe he had been listening to a bit of Ice MC and thought, I'm going to do that, and so, yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, going back to yep. 2002, what can you tell us about the video? Mm. Were, you, were you happy to see him back in the charts doing what he does best, e.g. shitting on a large number of celebrities? Um, look, this is, I'd say, it's probably about his third time at least of doing the wacky shitting on celebrities song and video and dare I say um, diminishing returns on this (laughs) one Tom the fans loved it they were able to get it to number one but this isn't anywhere near the quality of his you know, guess who's back, Emmett, you know, yeah, sh- super shady and Dr. Dre. Where is well Dr. Where Dre's Batman in this shit Robert. too, yeah. yeah this is was... a fucking Star Trek theme in this one, <laughs> if you've noticed in the music. I thought video. you would have liked it because it starts off with uh Rock of Love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> the, the song the song's not great compared to his other shitty uh, yes. ones. No, no. The video no. is very much playing on those other ones, but I did enjoy it because yes, there is Brett Mike he is dressed up as <laughs> Brett Michaels from Rock of Love in that so I did no no yeah the, I like the video um, yeah. but you can my advice is turn the volume down low put on a song that you want to listen to and then just you know yeah. watch, the, watch the song itself but yeah um, sorry I don't know whether you're going to do the cart there's a there's a cart can I just read out the people that are in yeah, this is no, that okay that's no, why I wanted to hear what you had um, and because you've also mentioned uh, sorry you were going to mention some of the references so you knew it was 2009 yeah, but yeah. I've sort of put them together yeah, that's cool so um, Guitar Hero he's, so yep. it starts off Rock of Love then he's doing the whole thing on a Guitar Hero type yep. thing fretboard yep thing. Uh, Sarah Palin gets a mention. Played by a porn star oh. who did, released a number of Sarah Palin-based porn videos oh. during that brief... This was Jeez. the brief period where people thought she was just a wacky outsider. Yeah. Good. Uh, Lindsay Lohan yep. gets a reference in this. Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Um, fat Jessica Simpson gets a lot of play oh, in this. Because so, I think Jessica Simpson... She Look, Jessica Simpson was obviously... Um, <laughs> Very, very. When she was in the uh, Dukes of Hazard film, you mm. know, very, very thin. And then I, I don't know. I, I think she put on a, a couple of kilos. Yeah. And so this was during the quote fat Jessica Simpson <laughs> yeah. period. So that was reference. Kim Kardashian gets a reference, who is quote a man according to Eminem. He says that she's a man. Is <laughs> so this must be Kim Kardashian's first, you know, name drop in a I song. Was she was, say, must, this must yeah. be early days of a celebrity. Um, Brett Michaels um, in the Rock of Love attire, as you mentioned. Um, Ellen. Portia de Rossi gets a reference. So good to see Portia in there. Um, Melbourne's own Portia de Rossi, should I add? Yep. Um, actually, she might be from Geelong, but anyway, let's say Victoria's own. Um, 
John um, Mayer gets a reference oh, yeah, in this. Yeah. Um, Jessica Alba <laughs> refers to Jessica Alba in this as well. And Amy, he makes out with a fake Amy Winehouse as well yes, for a good portion yeah. of this. You can tell that he's moved on a little bit because most of the celebrity, if this had been, if this had come out five years ago, he would have played all of the celebrities, including all of the women, yep. including the ones in miniskirts you know, all of that stuff. Yep. Whereas now he only does the men and he's not doing too much effort. He's not wearing facial prosthetics or dressing up as <laughs> fat Elvis on the dummy anymore. No, no, but he does do a pretty pretty solid Brett Michaels, yes. so, which is yes, good. Definitely. <laughs> as discussed, I think his best impersonation of all, uh, according to his real-life stepbrother, is of his own mother as a trashy Jerry Springer guest... Uh, because his stepbrother said, that's uncanny, you have no idea how realistic that impersonation is. He looks exactly like And isn't, didn't you also mention in that video, it's funny because Eminem's brother is playing Eminem? Yeah, no, that's what Eminem's brother was saying about Eminem as their the mum. Yeah, yeah. Saying, yeah. But I mean, in the video... Yes, you, oh yeah, you're yeah, right, yeah, he's he playing Eminem, so he looks quite a I lot I thought like it was him. creative camera work of Eminem... <laughs> yeah. Playing yeah, himself and then playing the mum, but it yeah. turns out they cut the budget on the CGI and just went, get your bro in there. So and if you're wondering what Eminem's brother looks like, he looks a lot like what would have happened if Eminem had just stayed in 8 Mile and kept yeah. doing what he'd been doing, working at that auto manufacturing true. Very, very true. Um, yeah. Is this the best song of the year, do you reckon? Oh, no, but um, it's <laughs> not, not definitely. I'm, I think it's the best song to feature rock of the year. Oh, absolutely. That goes without saying, definitely. Um, lyrics? Yep. Do you have anything else? No, no, don't. Hit me with the lyrics. Uh, lyrical spotlight. Uh, can he come back as nasty as he can? Yes, he can, can. Don't ask me this again. He does not mean to lesbian offend... But Lindsay, please come back to seeing men. Mm. Samantha's a two, you're practically a ten. A bit harsh on Samantha Ronson there, who I'd otherwise completely forgotten about. That was I... that DJ who, <laughs> that sort of beanie-wearing DJ, looked I... a bit like Christian Stewart's Ad... sister. Who, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd forgotten that she existed as well. And then I went, oh, fuck, that's right. <laughs> she was dating... Her claim to fame is that she's obviously Mark Ronson's sister. Yes. And, and was dating Lindsay Lohan for a brief yep. period of time. So. Yeah, she's, he's also pretty harsh on Ellen in the song too. I'm starting to think he might have not be getting a glad award this year after he went to all that trouble with making up with Elton John after calling him a fag or something, oh, in the something song, along those lines and then yeah. publicly doing a big mea culpa you know celebrity stage handshake thing now yep. he's back to slagging off lesbians <laughs> yeah exactly I don't know what's going on with this look um, 51 million listeners on um, Spotify we've talked about this yep. Eminem's about as big as you oh, can get okay but Although, he's less than um who did we mention before? I think Taylor. Taylor yes. Swift. So he's less yeah. than Taylor. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm yeah. I'm surprised she didn't pop up in the video. I'm sure she does at some point. Oh, I'm sure he gives it. As soon as you've made it in the music biz, you're ready for Eminem <laughs> to come and give you a hard time, I think. Um, and yeah, I think on Discogs, the cheapest one I can find is $3.78. So, $3.78. that's okay. about... That's about it. No, yeah. no one in Israel trying to flip one for seven hundred bucks, no. but um, pretty good. So yeah, for sure, good on that for people under under five and under a fiver. So I think yes. you're doing all right. Um, yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, I don't have much more to say about this no, one. It's, it's basically just a poor man's version of his other songs. Yeah, <laughs> his, music his video, crowd pleasing celebrity yep. piss take. 
yeah. tape type. So yeah. cool. Um, so 18th of May for six weeks. Fucking oath. Jeez. <laughs> it's <laughs> the Black Eyed Peas. Boom, boom, pow. Wow. What can you tell me about this? God almighty. Well, this is the first track and first single of their third album. Uh, fifth, if we don't count the arrival of Fergie. So it's their fifth album, but it's the second one that's very heavily Fergified, if you will. Uh, it's called The End, or the E-N-D. If there's one thing they love, it's unnecessary punctuation. Uh, supposedly that stands for The Energy Never Dies, which, apart from being obviously retro-engineered from the acronym, is also a rip-off of Pharrell's Nerd, a.k.a. No One Ever Really Dies, uh, side project. Yep. Um, I find it hard to believe that will.i.am and apple.d.app would stoop to such a thing, <laughs> but sadly they have, and we're all left with the fallout of that. Um, yeah, I mean, the tragic part about this album as a whole, I think... <laughs> Uh, not counting me having to listen to any of it ever again, is that this is clearly a brief moment of musical inspiration. After the Black Eyed Peas heard a copy of Daft Punk's Discovery eight years late and were inspired to try a new musical direction, specifically being even more blatantly artificial and plastic-sounding than their last record, if you thought it was impossible, trust me, it wasn't, um, as I'm sure you've noticed, it paid off big time. I mean, it did in slot machine terms. Yeah. Uh, they even used a sample of Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger in this song, a realisation that gave me a similar reaction to that time Chris Rock made a joke about my wife's alopecia at the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, the lines look, of keeping something out of your fucking mouth. Yeah. <laughs> look, what's worse than the actual music? Actually, sorry, I take that back. When it comes to the Black Eyed Peas, nothing's worse than the actual music. But a very close second is the pretentiousness or at least the lack of self-awareness of the members of the Black Eyed Peas in interviews. They are so fucking annoying. Will I Am told Rolling Stone regarding this song, quote, it has one note. It says boom 168 times. It sure fucking does. The structure has three beats in one song. It's not lyrics, it's auto patterns, structure, architecture. A lot of people say, Black Eyed Peas shit is simple. And I'll be like, no fool. It's the most complex shit you could fathom. And that's the reason it works everywhere around the planet. Now, I don't claim to know what the most complex shit on the planet is, but this, it is not. Have you ever heard any of that tech, like death metal bands that play 300 notes a minute? That uh, It's basic. It's not A lot of those songs are not really music either. It's just someone trying to shred as hard as they can on the guitar but that's that's pretty complicated in terms yes. of your ability to write that and record that and i assume there's a lot of music that involves very weird time signatures very fast mm. playing a lot of complicated things that happens this will i am saying this is the most complicated shit yeah. that you could fathom just sounds insane to me yes so. that that's what i mean about the dance music thing like i'm not just being facetious with the daft punk thing mm. i genuinely feel like They've gone on tour, they've been playing like more to a dance music crowd after their last couple of albums have been heading more in that direction. Yep. And what they've been, they, they've started to take some ecstasy and appreciate dance music more and realise that you can make music that doesn't have to be lyrically complicated 
to have a good to get people moving on the dance floor and to get lots of money in your bank account yep. you can make something that seems deceptively simple but is actually complex and some dance music is deceptively complex oh like, for, and, and lyrics are not the point of dance music no. really the problem is to do that you have to be good at making dance music you have to yep. understand stuff and this just seems like they went oh this is a piece of piss when I get home I'm going to fuck around on the computer and make what I reckon sounds like Daft Punk you know it's just yep. a lot of beeping isn't it beep yep. beep beep and then you repeat the same thing. He's pulled out the Omega 500 and he's just gone to town. And once again, Australian public have uh, sprinted to the bank um, leaving, you know, uh, Bugs Bunny style smoke trails behind them in order to throw money uh, into their account. Absolutely. As a reward for that. Now, the music video, Tom, did you watch (laughs) that? That's fucking awful as well. Unfortunately, I did. Fergie explained to MTV... uh, the concept of the video is the P's birth into the digital afterlife. <laughs> the transformation is us going into a sort of birth or cocoon and coming out the other end as forms of energy. It's a parallel to the music industry. Now everything is downloaded. Now, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about there, but Will I Am added that the promo was inspired by the digitalization of the world today. He said he hoped the video portrays, quote, what it would be like if we were actually in the computer, if art was fused in it. Analog life from a digital perspective becoming technology. Now, I don't know what any of these people are saying about anything. It's like they just found out about computers like yeah. 30 years late. They watched The Matrix 10 years late. And now they've gone, what's about dance music a quarter of a century late? And now they've gone, we can, it's, you know. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a piece of term, there's a, a term uh, sometimes used in the literary world called reinventing the wheel, which is when um, a writer who, who specifies, who, who uh, deals in one genre, like say they'd write literary fiction or they'd yeah. write um, <clears throat> mostly horror stuff, gets really into another genre in the middle of no out of, out of you know at a later stage in their life like they suddenly they read a science fiction book that turns their world around yep. and they get really inspired I'm going to start doing and that and then they yeah. go right I'm going to write a science fiction book and then what they do is because they've only read a couple of authors they, they don't know anything about the genre itself so what they'll do is they'll write something which people have already extensively written about 20 years earlier yep. but you have to actually know the genre to know about that and if i've what... read if i've read three books <laughs> yes. and think i know all of science fiction i go what if what if someone made a machine where you can go back in time i'm going to yes, do that and then someone's yeah. like well they've fucking but what done if that what if a robot could think of its own accord you like it's but not that that's a bad idea no. it's just that people it's been fairly thoroughly covered this. Yeah, exactly. and that's what this this is like someone inventing dance music from basic principles without being very good at it yeah exactly yeah and the video looks like that too it looks like a cheap 1990s era you know Yep. fucking tech like a you know Gabba video except they've got slightly more but not that much more budget because it doesn't even look very good there's like a like, fucking there's a HP touch that's like the product placement <laughs> through about 90% of the video as well so they truly are the Hewlett Packard of music yeah indeed can you uh, what, what about the lyrics hit me up with what um, Will yeah. I Am was able to 
to construct. Well, at least he put some effort into the lyrics. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's true. Gotta get that, gotta get that, gotta get that, gotta get that, 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 that. Boom, boom, boom. Gotta get that, 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 boom, boom, boom. That boom, boom, boom. That boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. Now, we've discussed previously the best number of booms to have in your song title previously. And what was the conclusion that we came to? Well, I think we came to the conclusion that three is the optimum number as used by the Out There Brothers in their hit, Boom, 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 Let Me Hear You Say Wayo, Wayo. Yes. The Venga Boys, Boom, 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 we deem to be one too many. Um, But we also said two can work as used by Paul Lukakis's Boom, Boom, Let's Go Back to My Room. Yes, that's right. But here the Black Eyed Peas have gone Boom, Boom, Pow. So... Mm. Two is okay, but then they've put the power at the end. Yes. And then they've gone and shot themselves in the foot. They've (laughs) shot themselves in the foot, and then they've gone ahead and used boom in the song itself 168 times, which is, dare I say, a fraction too many. Yes, exactly. Um, On the other hand, according to Fergie or F.E.R.G.I.E, as I believe she's now called, uh, she's so 3008 yep. and I'm so 2000 and late. Correct, yeah. So perhaps uh, Metallica Lou Reed style, <laughs> in a thousand years from now, mincing around in front of a green screen with Princess Leia hair singing words that a toilet cubicle would find insultingly facile, will be the coolest shit out. Oh, absolutely. Look. I can only imagine what Fergie's going to look like in 3008. She's going to have so much fucking work done, you know. I can only imagine that looking at Fergie will be like looking at a Fergie wax sculpture at Madame Tussauds left outside for several hours in the middle of the summer in Islamabad, as we talked about previously. <laughs> look, she's back in the Black Eyed Peas in 3008, mm-hmm. I imagine. They're touring their thousandth anniversary. Every single part of every member of the Black Eyed Peas has been replaced. They've got cyborg arms. Mm-hmm. They're under their, you know, tent replacement pig's heart 3D printed dicks for the three members Um, it's sort of like a ship of um, Theseus scenario will they still be the black eyed peas if every piece of them has been replaced Um, but fortunately I won't be around to see it Tom yes yeah that's true I will have committed suicide long before I have to see that (laughs) Um, so anyway the black eyed peas themselves 30 million on the old Spotify, oh, that's fucking heaps. So you can pick this up for 87 cents, so it's about <laughs> the price that this one deserves. Let's move on from the Black Eyed Peas onto some actual music. Up next is, oh, fuck, it's the Black Eyed Peas oh, again, with I've Got a Feeling for seven weeks. Australia, what the fuck? Six weeks of Boom Boom Pow into seven weeks of, that's 13 <sighs> solid weeks of the Black Eyed Peas. Fuck it, Doc. Now, is this better or worse than Boom Boom Pow, Tom? I, I mean, the, the, the obvious joke is so obvious because we keep having to make it over and over again, but it's one of those, well, would you rather get stabbed in the leg yep. or punched in the face yeah, with exactly. brass knuckles? Yeah, for kind sure. Of a thing. I mean, truly... Look, I'm saying this is worse as Boom Boom Pow, I feel, has some degree been forgotten. I don't hear that yes. much ever. But I can see I've got a feeling showing up on party playlists of yeah, complete fuckwits. Occasionally I can sort of pops see that. up. Or like in unimaginative current affairs yeah. show montages and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the music video makes you want to delete the YouTube app off my phone and somehow block the URL so that I can't access it. I so. don't remember. the. I didn't see the video for this one. What is the video? I'm sure I have it in the past, but... 
Oh, it's like them partying and it's all like, oh, look how much fun we're having. Oh, we're yeah. rocking. It's, it's fucking terrible. So um, I've mentioned that these guys have absolutely no self-awareness when talking about their own music. Oh, I talked about that. Or so anything, really. I did that three seconds ago. So Taboo, he's yep. one of the Black Eyed Peas that we don't talk about as much. He said, this is the first time we actually had all four of us on a song simultaneously with the verses, which is something different for us. Usually we break up the verses... And everyone has their own parts. It was a good opportunity for us to show the world what would come of it. Now, you think anyone alive was thinking to themselves that music just isn't what it used to be, Tom. The music that I love mm. growing up is mm. dead. We don't have access to that anymore. There's no young artist doing what I want to do. I, I just don't know. You know. I feel like I'm in a bit of a rut musically with new music. Mm. I don't really know where to turn to get access to, to things that I can enjoy. But... Maybe, just maybe, if the Black Eyed Peas can do a four-part harmony, <laughs> I'll be brought back into the fold and I'll find something to love again. Can no, they do a four-part harmony? Oh, I, I, well, according to this, all four of them sung on the verse at the same time. Yeah, I don't think just all singing it at the same time is the same as a harmony. Well, I think according to the Black Eyed Peas it is. So, <laughs> okay. um, This song was written in collaboration with David Guetta. Uh, yes. <laughs> who said quote Will at the time was embracing electronic music from Europe now you speculated that he'd literally heard about two DJs and just went yeah, I'm on the dance music train now and that's what happened obviously the hip hop thing was sort of just what we've done every, we, just, we need to find something else yeah. artists have taken sounds from us and incorporated a little bit but what I have respect about him and the band is he fully immersed himself in the culture he called me and was like, okay, I love that sound and I want to experiment a bit. So I sent him some tracks and he selected a few. Then I went to Los Angeles and we worked together. When the song started coming together, I got a crazy feeling and I was screaming, this is huge. This is a monster. This is crazy. <laughs> Will came up with a hook of a hook. It was such a positive vibe. I think a lot of the success with the song is because it's really positive. Our music is the bridge between electronic culture from Europe and hip hop culture from America. This is the future of music. It's not electro. It's not hip hop. It's electro hop. Now, electro hop. Let me just stop David there for a second. <laughs> to suggest that this is the music of the future is as dubious a claim as I've ever heard. Mm. And secondly, it's not electro. It's not hip hop. It's electro hop. A dude rapping over weak as fuck dance music is nothing new. No. Have you heard the expression, the worst of both worlds? <laughs> <laughs> David Guetta clearly has not listened to much dance music and his output as a dance artist can attest to that. <laughs> but if he'd know, if he had listened to a lot of music, he'd know that the entire early 90s Eurodance genre consisted <laughs> of a chick singing, the Fergie character... Yes. A exactly. dude rapping, the other fucking Black Eyed Peas, over 140 BPMs. Yes. It's somewhat revisionist of David Guetta to suggest that him teaming up with Well I Am to do this is something completely new. And not only that, he's not giving credit where credit's due to the true pioneers of the genre. Ice MC, Max, yes. Erotic, La Bouche, Masterboy, Culture Beat, The Real McCoy, Too Unlimited, Snap, Technotronic, Alice DJ and Melody MC, just to name a few. Yeah, I mean, What Is Love by Hadaway shits on this from orbit, from the International Space Station, I would say. Electro hop, suggesting that <laughs> dance music yes, and rap music, I mean. it's like someone a, rapping on dance music. It's, it's like, like a, a dance DJ who knows nothing about hip hop 
and a, like a, yeah, a not very good dance DJ who knows nothing about hip hop, and a not very good hip hop band who know nothing about dance music, come together to write a song that's the shittest parts of hip hop mixed with the shittest parts of dance music, and then it's thirteen weeks at number one. And assuming that it's a, a new thing, presumably. Like bought by people who don't know anything about either hip-hop or dance music. Yep. Now, not only does Will Am not know anything about um, dance music, he doesn't know anything about human emotions. He's also no, said... No, he doesn't. What is the all easy- women, all men. He, uh, this is another quote from Will Am. What's the easiest emotion to act? It's anger. What's the hardest? Joy. Joy is complex. It's somber. It's sad. It's happy. It's heartbroken. It's hopeful. About? It's all these emotions in one. When you hear I got a feeling, to me that's joy. You're in pain, but tonight's going to be a good night. You can't feel happy when you've been pissed off the whole week. You just have to go straight to joy. Now, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. That makes no sense. None of that makes any sense. Is he on drugs? Is this, Do I need to be concerned about his sort of well-being? I don't really know. I respect that Will's original uh, pre-will.i.am name of Will.1.x Will I believe it was may have actually been his original uh, ranking designation from the alien spacecraft that he descended to Earth on yep. to observe human behaviour and he inadvertently became part of a, um, yep. a, a world famous hip hop slash well, dance group Will I Am has redefined joy and when I listen to his music I certainly would suggest that joy has been <laughs> redefined because there's no joy in this I can tell you that um, he also went on to explain that he wrote the song within an hour after standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial at the inauguration of President Obama he said quote no one asked me to write I got a feeling it just came and I can agree with that absolutely no one asked you to write this fucking song this is also the same guy who claimed that uh, after 9-11 people kept asking him to do no after the, the, the after the London bombing people were asking him to do a, where is the love to yeah, yeah, which need he'd that. somehow associated with 9-11 previously despite no one asking him for that yep. either yo dude the, the world's mm. going to shit if only you'd re-record where is the love this maybe is also yeah. the same guy as previously mentioned who went on Top Gear the world's most famous car show to tell the host in all seriousness that he was opening a new car manufacturing brand Tesla style when it turned out he just bought a second-hand DeLorean and glued some shit onto it. That was as re- far as he'd gone. He really is the modern-day John DeLorean. I enjoy that. I, I think he's a fucking robot. Yeah, I think he is. that's what Will 1X, as I'm now going to refer yep. to him as, is clearly a robot mimicking human emotion. He's always Will 1X to me, yeah. So he's also said this, I've written songs right from a sleep. Have you ever had a dream where there's a melody in your dream? I wake up out of my sleep and record that. I Got a Feeling was one of those songs. Uh, that sounds like a pure nightmare to me. Just sort of an yes. endless dream with I Got a Feeling in your head forever. And then you've got oh sleep God. paralysis. You wake up and you can't move and it's yeah. just that song playing forever. Also, considering that his last song, he was literally bragging about the fact that it has one note and oh. three <laughs> beats. It sounds like maybe he'd just been sleeping next to yep. a malfunctioning, oscillating fan on a hot yeah. night and the dream that that was music somehow. It's, it's pretty wild. in public proved him right. Imagine in the same sentence saying, this song has one note 
and saying it's the most complex shit you can imagine in the same sentence. Yeah. The guy's insane. Again, it sounds like they took pingers and David Guetta tried to explain to him what dance music was at 3am and he grasped the idea that it has one note, but it's also complicated. Dude sounds like he's on drugs all the time, yes. so hopefully he is. And if I can get yeah. behind a lot of these quotes if he is, but apart from that, if he's not on drugs, I can't really sort of um, no. get my any of this what about the lyrics for this to be number one for seven <laughs> weeks this must have some spot on lyrics um, I know that we'll have a ball if we get down and go out and just lose it all I feel stressed out I want to let it go let's go way out spaced out and losing all control I'm assuming that refers to the time Fergie pissed herself on stage or possibly the time that rapper Taboo got so wasted he shat himself in public and crawled around the Four Seasons naked in an ecstasy-fueled haze, which is a true thing recounted in his own autobiography. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that night was a good, good night, you know. Well, unless you were a carpet cleaner employed by the Four Seasons Hotel, obviously. But Yeah, absolutely. Look, yeah, I don't know about this one. Not great. But, um, look, I'm sure... Fergie's bowels losing all control, um, as the song suggests, is not something anyone really wants to see. Um, look, should we move on from this Black Eyed Peas, David Guetta Fest? You got anything else to say? No, no, that's all not. Right, let's move on. Oh, I don't want to hear about these guys again. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, up next for seven weeks is David Guetta featuring Acorn. Seven Sexy four bitch. weeks. Sexy bitch, the old and Acon shows back up. Love that guy. I assume this was finance using the Acon. He's just a fucking closet lurker. Yeah, this last three years he can't get away from the fucking guy. Despite the fact that he apparently brings very little to songs, I'm starting to suspect this is perhaps what he brings to songs is a lot of money. Mm. Because he seems to be constantly discovering people and featuring on things without actually audibly contributing anything (laughs) (laughs) or bringing really any talent to the party whatsoever. Absolutely. Look, it's good to see the spiritual successor of cheesy, bullshit, early 90s Eurodance. I'm talking your N-Trance, your DJ Otzi. It's sort of David Mm -hmm. Guetta, I guess, follows on that line. Um, This is no too unlimited. His first appearance on the podcast in his own right, you know, he did contribute to that last piece of garbage Black Eyed Peas song. But um, Mm. look, credit where credit's due. His second album was called Guetta Blaster, (laughs) which is fucking great. Um, I don't mind it. You know, it's either a reference to the Ghetto Blaster, Guetta Blaster, or it's a reference to himself um, as the Guetta Blaster, as he's already, you know, out there and he's finger blasting so many chicks. Um, If only that level of creativity was found in the actual music, (laughs) though, and he just didn't do it all in the title. So he started in 1990, David Guetta. So here we are, 2009. So it's taken him about 20 years to Mm. sort of make it big. But... um, he started, but here's the, here's the funniest thing. He started with a dance rap collaboration called Nation Rap. So fuck knows what he was talking about before with the whole electro hop thing. <laughs> as even he, 20 years ago, was blending dance music, which he had done as the DJ with another dude rapping over the top of it. So he's fucking crazy. So look, yeah, two year, two decades to achieve the mainstream success. Got there in the end with some of the worst dance music since Entrance. Um, but look, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And he did strike gold when he teamed up with friend of the podcast, Flo Rider, for his hit, the club can't handle me right now. <laughs> How sick's that? Flow rider just going, the club can't handle me now. Mm. Don't know what it means, but um, I assume it means that he's 
well, he's you know he was low energy in that other song, so I assume he's coming in. He's all like kicking over tables and flipping the club. Just fucking get that, me out of here. Who was that song while you were mentioning last week? Uh, Evacuate the dance. Floor. Oh, Cascada. Yeah. Yeah, I like that as well because it's the similar <laughs> thing of like, I mean, sure, plenty of artists are willing to say this track's so hot it's going to make you fuck. I'm going to set fire to the dance floor. Yeah. The dance floor is going to explode. All that '80s '90s stuff. But fuck this. I'm going to say. I'm literally it's impossible to be in this room yep. because I, I'm so good that you're just going to have to leave it's just me oh exactly exactly get the fuck out of this building yeah. because I'm too good for that now look onto the actual song it sucks but that goes without saying um, this is tepid even by dance music standards yeah. I'm not 100% sure how this really took off but Dance music, I guess, was going through a second wave of Eurobeat sort of getting popular yeah. enough to be into the charts territory. I think, uh, reading between the lines, what was happening is that, uh, as I keep... Was ecstasy keep becoming cheaper? Was that what's going <laughs> well, on? Well, I think ecstasy goes through... Dance music seems to go through sort of dec- or like five to ten year loops as a new generation hits 21 and starts taking pingers and going yep. nightclubbing. So EDM keeps fading off and coming back. But I think what was happening here was that the American mainstream, which is now heading into the hip-hop territory, yep. became more aware of the sort of 90s, early aughts, uh, European EDM stuff, the, 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 yeah. the, the more, the next generation of techno, and then it created a sort of third generation of this kind of fusion stuff you know absolutely this is when i first started hearing yanks call ecstasy molly before oh, okay. that they used to for some reason they seem to find the word ecstasy embarrassing or maybe oh, it's got okay. one too many syllables for them they used to call it x <laughs> you know but then yeah. but after a while x started to sound a bit too uh pepsi commercial from 1997 yeah, absolutely. so then they decided for reasons i still don't understand to call it molly or rolling as well nobody used to say that but yeah fucking yeah it's ridiculous so anyway um so the music video for the song um at the start you see that they've renamed the song sexy chick yeah for the music video yeah. as bitch was too hot to handle so maybe just call the song sexy chick to begin with i don't really know yes. or maybe but, grow a pair of testicles if you're going to yep. write a song like this and just stick to your fucking guns you now loser. In the music video, the ratio of attractive females to attractive males, calculated by taking the total attractiveness <laughs> of females and dividing it by the total attractiveness of males, um, it comes out at somewhere approaching infinity, I think, Tom, because there's a lot of chicks in bikinis in this around a pool, probably more than that two live crew pop that coochie video, and then you've got fucking David Guetta and Akon and just a heap of Euro nerds that show yeah, up for this. Who, who jump over the yeah. fence Akon, for no possible yeah, reason. Exactly. Like, Akon's doing auto-tune vocals underwater, which is a new take on an old mm. classic, and Gweta's wearing an I Love Girl shirt, making him look like a creepy uncle who's clearly made his fortune through some dubious business practice. Yeah. And you've asked if you could have a small gathering on the weekend, as he said he's going away, and he says, yeah, sure, no problem. And then he immediately cancels his plan so that he can show up at the party unannounced and go, oh, yeah. sorry, Hit my trip fell through. So he can, yeah, yeah, try and bang chicks half his age. Now, Gweta is actually over 40 in this video, yeah. and I don't think he could look less cool. Both Gweta and Akon are swimming fully clothed, like Malboy <laughs> from earlier in, of in the podcast. Yeah. So maybe it was a 2009 thing. I'm not really sure. It's funny. It, this, like you, that's funny you should mention the two live crew because I was just thinking of it when you were talking about this and remembering the video. Like, 
truly, this doesn't even have the courage of its own convictions. It's called Sexy Bitch. You know, <laughs> then they pussy out on the name. They have, yeah. And then the video doesn't even feature the God's honest, trashy appeal of Pop That Coochie, which at least features actual raunchy dancing yep. and an actual sense that in this video the people there are actually drunk and having fun at a party and the two live crew three ugly dudes at least look like they're having the fucking time of their life and they can't believe they get to hang out with this many um, this is strippers yeah. from the local nightclubs this by comparison just it just looks like the sort of target commercial version yep. of that like everything's very safe Yep. sterile, boring. It looks like they've hired some rich guy's backyard for the afternoon. Like you say, the lead singers don't even... Everything's in place. They get in the pool, but still wearing their clothes. Yep. Like it's just it's so sanitised and tedious. Well, this is yeah. more offensive to me than Pop That Coochie because I yes. gather with Pop That Coochie that they said, what's happening? Two live crew are making a music video. Come round. There's going to be a jacuzzi. Wear some swimmers. Look, it's going to get a bit sexy, yeah. but there's going to be some drinks. It's going to be a fun time, and the we'll chicks pay went you fifty bucks or sixty if you can make them cheeks clap. And the cheeks were like, <laughs> sounds like a bit of fun. I feel like with this music video, it's like, what's happening? Oh, it's just a, a party. Just come along to the party, and everyone and the girls are like, oh, okay, sure, why not? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh fuck, it's a David Guetta <laughs> music video. I feel like yeah. they had no idea that it was a music video no. until that happened. So you know, it sort of looks like you know in movies they say uh, yep. sometimes depending on the production like they'll have to do a dance scene and for production reasons they can't play music so people just have to act as though there's music playing in the yep. scene and it's added later in post that's what this video looks like the people dancing they just look like yep. the women just look like they've all shown up from the same agency wearing bikinis supplied by wardrobe and they yep. just sort of moving as though music's playing but it's not really playing well I think this song was playing so they had to act <laughs> that actual good music was playing which is very difficult yes. they're like what what are we meant to do just pretend it's a better song yeah, than this it's not so, their fault I'm just saying nah. it's a tedious now Gweta recalled to Billboard magazine yep. how he hooked up with Akon for this track <laughs> I played a festival in the UK and after I got off the stage Akon was standing there he said Love Is Gone was one of his favourite songs of all time. That didn't happen. No. And he wanted to work with me. Yeah, I guess that happened. So many times artists say they want to work with you and it never happens. So I said to him, if you're serious, let's go get a bite to eat and then we'll go to the studio and make it happen. And in one night, we had Sexy Bitch. Taxi so club. they made it Yep, in one evening. Now, this raises a couple of questions. How many times do you think artists have said they want to work with Gweta? Do you think that's often? Or do you think he's making that up? <laughs> and two, where do you think they went out for that bite to eat, Tom? What do you imagine David Guetta and Akon, where would they be going for, for a dinner, do you think? <laughs> would they be getting a kebab? Would they be going to get a three-piece feed? What was the food that inspired or at least fueled this track? I'm reading between the lines. I think this might be an all-for-love situation and I yep. think that maybe they just hooked up. Yeah, immediate attraction. They hooked up, but then because they had sex first before they went to the studio, all the tension was gone. So you end yeah, up with this tepid, <laughs> let's pretend true. we're heterosexual kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'm sure they definitely banged. That shows, you know, in the video clip. It was, there was a, definitely this is a, a one night stand. Except they, they should have written the song while there was still a chemistry. Yep. Instead of afterwards, you know, when everyone's a bit embarrassed about the whole thing. Yeah, and talking about the success of this song, Guetta said, at the time, the four to the floor beat didn't really exist in the charts. But now... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what the fuck? That's that's a dubious that's claim. Music professional yeah. David Quinn. But now everyone is taking that direction. It happened fast, and now I've met almost every artist in the US. What? Now, do you think David Guetta's met every recording artist in the US? I think David Guetta's trying to reintroduce cocaine back into the music scene. <laughs> you think ecstasy's been at the top for too long. I think more cocaine. Just, no. I've met everyone in the world. I invented four beats per I, bar. I invented the 4-4 four, four <laughs> time signature, I and I've met, I've met everyone in the world. <laughs> So he's met everyone in the world. He's met them all. He's met Ice MC. He's met, you know, the fray. He's met, you know, the ghost of um, fucking uh, John Lennon. He's mm. met all of them. Yep. All the, all the, everyone in the US. He's met Soundgarden. He's met, you know, Coldplay. Mm-hmm. All of them, Tom. He's, he's, he's met Hathaway. He's met all those <laughs> artists. He's met CNC Music Factory. He's mm-hmm. met them all, Tom. Every single one of them. So there you go. What about the lyrics to this? They must be fucking good. Well, the only word, the only lyrics that I could... These are the, these are the lyrics that reminded me of this song because I'd forgotten Dave Guetta and forgotten the name of this song. Uh, it's the bit in the chorus where he says... Uh, Akon says, I'm trying to find the words to describe this girl without being disrespectful. Yep. Uh, he sings, before insisting that this unnamed woman can't be compared to the neighbourhood hoe and repeating, damn, you use a sexy bitch in the chorus exactly 19 times. <laughs> uh, this suggests that in addition to being a shit singer, shit lyricist, Bitcoin bro, trust fund wanker, blood diamond profiteer, auto-tune for later, liar and misogynistic bigamist, Akon is also extremely unimaginative because any two live crew B-side can think of more interesting ways to objectify women than that. He didn't even mention her cans. He didn't. He didn't mention the cans. It's yeah. It's no good. Do you, is do you think David Guetta was ever one of Akon's five wives? Do you think they got to that mm, sort of period in their well, relationship? Reading between the lines, perhaps this is where his discoveries come from. Perhaps yeah. Akon's "I discovered" is code for "I hooked up with" at a music festival and realised they have studio time that I can be a part of. Seven weeks seems like a lot. That's almost two calendar months, Tom. I can't believe that people were feeling it for that long. The latter half of 2009 is not going to good places. David Guetta's got 54 million listeners on uh, the fucking thing. That's a a lot of people on on the ye olde Spotify. Um, That's crazy to me. But look, people love it. Um, You can buy this for $1.52. So probably he would go and be do that. featured on a lot of songs. Oh, any, yeah. Any sort of production role. Yeah. So I'm wondering whether that leads him to get more listens than he would get from actually music that he's made. But I'm just trying to make myself feel better at this point, Ben. 54 <laughs> million. That's 4 million more than Eminem. Or 2 million more than Eminem. Yeah, yeah. I'm he's got saying. more listeners than that. That's so. insane. But... I have a feeling that he's probably still massive in a lot of um, Euro Oh, he'd countries. still be DJing live. You know, they never stop, those guys. No. And why would you stop? You get paid for fucking yeah, exactly. around with an iPod. That's know. the thing. I mean, once once you're putting in the, the heart, you know, you're right. You're 55, you're playing guitar in a band. You know, you've you got to get up mm. and you've got to do the shit yeah. still. Whereas you're right. If you're David Guetta, you just push, you know, shuffle on the old iPod and off you go. Even so. when he started in the 90s, you still had to be able to beat mix. You had to have vinyl. You had yep. to have your own record collection, lug that around everywhere and mix music on the fly, on the go. Whereas now that don't, don't have, to do, have that. to do that. No, anymore. exactly. All right. So, yeah, we'll move on from that. What do we got now? We Something better than that, Tom? <laughs> uh, well, 
better, better's, uh, yes. <laughs> better is really quite a subjective term, At though, isn't it? At this stage in the year, Jesus, how Guy Sebastian, I like it like that. Yes, yeah. What can you tell me about this one, Tom? Well, the production on this is more interesting than his usual stuff. Uh, what it sounds like to me is that producers David Harris and Fredro are struggling with, A, what genre of music Guy actually makes, and B, which style of production suits Guy's delivery the best. His sort of earnest, positive-sounding, decent voice. Um, the result... I reckon, unlike any other song of his that we've covered anyway, sounds like they've figured out that there's something inherently unfashionably sort of cheerful about Guy's whole shtick. Yep. And that any attempt to fight that is doomed to failure. Any attempt to make him sound moody and edgy or sexy and cool is just going to flop because he's just not that guy. No. So what did they come up with instead? Because cheerfulness has never been particularly popular in pop music. It comes and it goes, but it's never at the top of the list. So what did they come up with instead? They came up with the theme song for Austin Powers 4, Dick Jokes of Forever. Like, this has got, it's got 50s guitar, it's got electro flutes, it's got blinky piano, and God help me, but I didn't hate this, I have to admit. The bar for Guy may be one matchstick balanced across two matchboxes in a parking basement, but I'd say this is my favourite Guy Sebastian song, I reckon. Certainly of the ones we've covered. You could totally go-go dance to this behind a lava lamp in a miniskirt, and I can say that with confidence because, you know, that's how I spend my Friday nights. Yeah, what do you reckon, Ben? Is this your favourite song called Like It Like That? Um, I suspect that it's not. No. You can do your top ten if you like, because if I type Like It Like That into YouTube, I get a dozen different songs without exaggeration. And uh, your personal favourite, Kylie, I believe, isn't even in page five. Yeah, it's it's a hard one, I know. There's so many songs with that title. I remember um, Regurgitator had a song called I Like It Like That, yep, which was cool. they did. Uh, there's a Jerry Lee Lewis one. There's oh, good. Salt and Pepper, which was used as a sample in another song we did called Like It Like That. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was that? That's how we got started talking about Kylie previously. Insane Clown Posse. Oh, good, <laughs> good, 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 good. Like it like that. So it's clearly a title that crosses all the bands. Oh, it does, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. I think my personal favourite, uh, putting Kylie aside, because that's an absolute classic. Yep. Uh, oh. My personal favourite is by a drag queen called Detox I Cunt. Oh, good. Uh, or possibly detox cunt. I'm detox not sure. Cunt. Usually drag queen names are a pun, but yeah. I like to imagine she's also auditioning for anal cunt since their singer died from sliding down a handrail in a food court, as you told me <laughs> last week. What was their guitarist? But, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'd like so to. I mean, I'd go, would you go and see anal cunt featuring detox cunt? Doing, I like it like that. Well, two of the band members are dead. I don't know. I don't know what sort well, of that's scab line up they'll try and cobble together. But um, I don't think I don't think I would. No. How so. did the other band member die? Um, I think of a drug overdose. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say he was trying to impress some twelve-year-olds on a pogo stick. Yeah, or I think so. <laughs> Definitely. Um, look, I don't think I have much more to say about Guy or this song in particular. Um, do you think that How Guy, did you feel about it? Did you? Uh, well, I wasn't sure whether Guy heard they were rebooting the commitments. So we sort of <laughs> thought, oh, if I get this out there, people will know that, you know, I can do a bit of that it's old school shit. It's definitely got a retro sound, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, instead of Dublin, it's in Devon 
Newport um, and Guy when I'll throw my hat into the ring just letting people know I can do the old time rock and roll as well oh look no I didn't hate this I mean look yeah um, I, I don't love when artists say let's just do the 50s but yeah this is it's better than a lot of his other songs I'll, I'll, I'll do yeah. I'll give him that but then you, we talked about Bruno Mars before um, when he wrote obviously you know co-wrote that track that he was involved yeah. with and um, round round well, the, the, well co-wrote I mean half of it's a dead mm. or alive sample but that's a dude that just says I'm going to do a track that sounds like it's 1986 and then he'll just do that and yeah, do, I'm yeah. going to do a song that sounds like 1952 I'm going to do a song that sounds like 1743 yeah. and that's just sort of he's made a whole career out of that so look I guess I can't be too mad about Guy just saying look let's just do something that sounds a bit old <laughs> why not it might have it might have uh, worked for me because it genuinely did remind me a bit of the song Soul Bossa Nova by Quincy Jones, oh, the legendary yeah, Quincy yeah. Jones, which is known as now the Austin Powers thing. It's got a touch of that, and it, that did actually. I'd rather that retro 60s sound than the retro 50s sound, which oh, is what yeah. the entire 80s yeah, fucking, fucking sounds like. Yeah, I exactly. never need to hear any fucking happy days shit anymore no, for the rest of my life. That sucked, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, when you're going to mine the past, you got to choose the right past to mine. So, and yeah, obviously, yes. yeah. But it's sort of funny, like um, when I watch Rage with my kids these days, and I'll, I'll hear a band, and it's 2022, and they're clearly mining sort of like a very early 90s mm. grunge, or occasionally the British shoegaze sound. Yeah, I pull that out, and it's just like going, "You guys are 15, and this is 30 years old." <laughs> But I guess for that... St- so I sort of think about that. Do they look back and go to something like the 50s and go, oh, no, that's just too far yeah. removed. You know what I mean? So Because when you're 15, 30 years ago, is, is you're like going, oh, that's a long before it's I was true. even born. I guess it's probably like when I was a teenager and you sort of go back and listen to something like Black Sabbath or something like yeah. that. Or Led Zeppelin. And it's like, well, that was actually, you know, a good period of time it before I was born. It just happened so. in music too. It's no. a weird human ability. I've talked, I thought maybe this was just me for a while, but I've talked to other people who did this too. But humans have a strange capacity to become nostalgic for an era that they never were, they weren't alive for. Yeah, I find that weird. That can have a weird appeal. And, and so the music and the clothing. I, went, I was born at the wrong time. I saw these dudes. I saw these dudes. There were these really fun band in Perth when I lived there for a while. I went, I followed them around a bit, uh, to various pubs and stuff. They were called Hurricane Fighter Plane. Yep. And they were these, I would say, I was like 32 then and they would have been 25 and younger. And they were just doing an amazing sort of who pastiche. Oh, yeah. They all looked like the who. They had, like, winkle pickers and, like, vertical stripe, you know, tight pants and stuff. They Guitars even had, like, they'd got... The guitars had, like, the old um, the telephone cord oh, chords yeah. and stuff. Like, they had... It, the whole look of it was right. And they were doing originals, but they had that sort of... It's just like that... I mean, the who, that's... What? 20 years before any of those guys were born, yep. longer even, and yet, you know, it just sometimes things just click with people. Look, yeah. if the modern era, look, yeah, sorry, I think I find nostalgia before you were born weird, but I do agree with um, sourcing your references from yeah, those times. Yeah, artistic influence. Absolutely. If, sure. you, if you listen, to, if, if 
the modern era is not working for you, I guarantee you, you just go back into the past and you'll find something That's that you true. like. So it's I don't like been, this. When, yeah. when people complain about modern music, I never understand that because it's sort of like, oh, these new, this new pop music, it's sort of like, well, look, you do one of two things. You go back and listen to the shit you used to listen to or yep. you try and find new artists that are sort of doing a sort of 80s-ish yeah. type thing, whatever the case may be, or you just go way back to... Yeah. If your favorite band is Thing, I, like whatever, I guarantee you, mm. you've missed out on a lot of bands. Or there's an entire genre that you've never really listened yeah, to. Exactly. You know, just because you heard three country and western songs and went, oh, "I hate country and western," yep. try listening to some of the good stuff. Exactly. Because, you know, as you know, the guy famously said, ninety percent of everything is crap. Yeah, so terrible, yeah. you know. Yeah. So what about the lyrics? What did Guy conjure up on this? Um, is he hanging on to every word you speak? Does he rub your back and play with your hair until you fall asleep? Mm. I'm thinking that might actually be a good thing because you sound pretty creepy there, bro. Well, I'm not sure if playing with someone's hair is the best way to help them fall asleep either. I mean, are you a cat? <laughs> and in my experience, the only people who hang on to every word you speak are real estate agents trying to get you to drop an extra hundred grand on an outdoor toilet with excellent rental opportunities. Yep. People hanging on every word are certainly trying to sell you something. Look, stroking someone's hair for hours on end is a fucking red flag. If you're on a, if you're on a first date with Guy Sebastian, he's just stroking your hair for three hours. Then pretend to fall asleep. Then when he falls asleep, just get out of that house yeah, and don't come back. Go under the covers and dial triple zero. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. So Guy Sebastian's got 1.8 uh, monthly listeners on the Spotify. Um, yeah, it's probably makes sense I guess you can pick the copy of this up for five bucks a cool five dollars wow. so that's what it's going to cost that seems to be the going rate these days for these CD singles that's physical basically media. what they would have cost at the time yeah exactly yeah. right so um, so with inflation you've you've made a net loss at the end of the day but, <laughs> yes. but it's okay not if you've got that 12 inch of uh, flow rider ah, selling for yes. 70 bucks so if you bought 10 of those back in the day <laughs> You know, sell them now. You'd probably be able to, you know, get a free lunch out of it or something. That's pretty good. So, look, do you have anything else to say about no, this? No, I don't. No. All right. So that's enough for Guy. We've talked, you know, Guy, I'm sure we'll show up again. Oh, Talking about before I we show up no again. Um, I'll tell you who I didn't expect to show up again. Um, and actually, this is for the first time. This is uh, October, two weeks, Vanessa Amorossi. Yes. This is, is who I am. And the reason I didn't expect her to show up is because I'd sort of forgotten about this. You know, I'm, you know, mm. absolutely everybody in the whole wide world, you know, yes. that's sort of, that's burnt into my brain, you know, unless I have some sort of acquired <laughs> brain injury or require a part of my brain to be removed in the future. That'll, you know, okay, that's always in there forever. Yeah. But um, what can you tell me about this song, Tom? This is who I am. Well, yeah. Um, oh, damn it. I'm just going to say one thing because it was irritating me. Yep. Years... <laughs> Years back in podcasting terms, we were talking about... I was trying to remember what Guy's best, biggest brush with American success was, and he did a track with Lupe Fiasco, who was oh, really big yeah. at that time. So, yeah, that, that I don't know if it will pop up on here, but it was around the same time, but, yeah. Anyway, sorry. To get back to Vanessa Amorosi, uh, at this point, 2009, Vanessa has been plugging away for a decade on the Australian pop scene, uh, she first popped up as a teen at the opening and closing ceremony of the Sydney Olympic Games 2000, mm. doing absolutely everybody. She had a song the year before, but no one's heard of that, uh, which sounds exhausting, but is actually the name of a song. Uh, despite that, this was her first Australian number one, 
which goes to show there's more to pop success than doing absolutely everybody. Yeah. As it were. <laughs> um, I mean, vanilla ice gave it a shot, but, you know, you can't uh, get everywhere with that technique. Um, she had previously flirted with the alternative scene. Okay. Early on, they played her on Triple J a bit. She sort of had a kind of pop alt-rock approach. Okay. So, yeah, she sort of flirted between the charts, the alternative stations, and your sort of modern rock kind of, main, yep. like your, MO, your MOR, modern stuff like um, Nova FM oh, yeah. kind of stuff. This song is credited to Vanessa Amorosi plus Robin Lynch and Nicholas Olivson, who together form a songwriting team called Macho Psycho, hailing all the way from Botswana then. <laughs> Just kidding, they're from fucking Sweden, obviously. Uh, what I find interesting about this is that song really does sound like a collision of Vanessa's normal sort of alt-pop rock guitar-based style with the then-popular robotic electro-pop production sound as featured in three songs a year for the last four years. So this has guitars and shout-along choruses sung by a real human, but it also has strange digital Black Eyed Peas effects all over it and seems to have been sped up 20% in the computer <laughs> as soon as Amorosi left the studio. So did that work, do you think? Well, I agree with that. When I when you hear the intro, the first bit yes, of the song, it sounds like the piano odd. has been sort of like <laughs> someone's played it and went, "We got to crank." What? How long does the song go for? We got to shorten it. Let's you know, yeah. just speed it up fifty percent. Nudge so. that dial over to the right. Look, uh, firstly, I've got no idea what's going on here. Uh, it's <laughs> and, a bit weird. And, and it is a bit weird, isn't firstly, it? Firstly, um, so Vanessa Amorosi's got dyed pink hair with bangs, so I didn't even recognise it yeah, at she all. So quite I was different. like, I didn't even know. I was like, is that? Oh, I did, yeah. so I didn't know that was her. Um, musically, it obviously doesn't sound like absolutely everybody, and that's my touch point, Vanessa Amorosi. <laughs> so I was yes. like, sounds a bit different, but yeah, it is a rock song. Um, so that's not what has guitars in it. Yes. Um, and it has some of electro, as you mentioned, a lot of electric sort of effects and things yeah, in there. Weird production. It almost sounds like something the Veronicas could almost do. Yes. Did you get that vibe? Yeah. So yes. I was sort of thinking about that, sort of going, okay, when the Veronicas went in that sort of, oh, electro, we're going electro, punkish, punk popish, rockish yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah, it was sounded very different for Vanessa, but yeah, look, it, she got a number one single out of it, which is pretty good. But what the fuck is going on with that? So she sings the chorus and it just goes, like, I was listening to this on my computer and I thought, you know, I'd accidentally clicked on a website that is playing like an ad or something. I was like, going, oh, is this another browser thing I've got to close down? Uh, and then I thought, was it left in by accident? What's yeah. going? It's it's completely weird. It comes so, in right at the start of the song too. It's yeah. not like a weird thing that they drop on the breakdown or anything. It's just yeah. the song kind of starts with this, and you're like, hang on, what? She hasn't even begun singing. This so it stands out, but it's like sounds fucked at the same time. <laughs> so I don't know whether it that's is good. interesting though. Oh yeah, if of course. the Black Eyed Peas stuff had more weird shit like that in it, I would think. Well, at least they're kind of experimenting, like they're playing with the buttons on the synthesizer to see what they do. Yeah, well, do listening that. to Will I Am in interviews, it sounds like he's on drugs, so he needs to stay on those drugs when he's doing music <laughs> because um, it couldn't get less interesting. Let's just yeah, put it that maybe way. he needs to ditch David Guetta and hook up with Macho Psycho. <laughs> That's 
<laughs> one yeah. word from Sweden. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I love when two dudes just get together and just be like, oh, she would just be, Again. you know, Brian and Rodney to do. No, we need our songwriting duo yeah. needs a team. How about The Matrix? Or like, Zaxonian or something. Yeah. <laughs> the names are always so it's fucking awful. recurring theme. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I would say at least slapping a digital record scratch rooster effect over yeah. half of the song and dialing that in speed a few notches puts it in a slightly more interesting category than a lot of her earlier sub-triple-J sort of alt-pop gear. Uh, the flip side is that the song made its radio debut on the Kyle and Jackie O show. Oh, Jesus. Which is where you're going to be getting your airplay if you're not raw enough for the cool kids, but still a bit too rocky for the dance stations anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, the video was filmed in L.A., I'm not sure. Did they really need to go there to capture someone sitting in the back of a taxi under uh, a slightly overclassed sky for four minutes? Yeah, look, she's from Melbourne. They could have just filmed this, you know, her on a tram or something. Or her, yeah. We've got taxis here as well. Or a nightclub, yeah. maybe, if you want to emphasize the dancier aspect. Because uh, a nightclub could be anywhere, you know. There was the love interest. I would have liked to have seen this filmed at the Queen Victoria Market. <laughs> um, yes. She's just going to get a, some broccolini, a Kransky, yeah. something like that. And then she sees the love interest and he's, he's like... working in the fish market. Yeah, he's working in the fish market. market. Prawns, exactly. Know. She's like, you know, give me what, what are scallops, and he's like, you know, thirty bucks. A, she's like, that's a good price per yeah, kilo. Give like me some scallops. Got a sushi quality tuna. He's exactly. Like, nah, sorry. So she goes elsewhere, and then he <laughs> runs up and goes, "Oh, I found some yeah. under the counter." And she's like, "Oh, great." So I think she could have just filmed it at home, saved mm. the money, saved the airfares. But look, good to see that she's still going. Um, she released an album earlier this year, twenty twenty two, called City of Angels, which I assume is a concept album based on the Nicolas Cage film um, and she's described it as quote the most Vanessa Amorossi album so whatever that means that's a high recommendation yep, definitely so that may that, you know I don't really know what she means by that but at least it makes more sense than a Will I Am quote where he'd be sort of saying I'm using a guitar now I'm, I'm reinventing music this is the yeah. future uh, yes again another recurring theme she was only she was born in 81 which means that when she had the hit Absolutely Everybody, she was 19 yep. again. So she's another younger person. So it's hard to blame Absolutely Everybody on her, but you might have thought that by now she'd be coming up with something a little bit more interesting. But anyway, yeah. I mean, along those lines, lyrically speaking, it's fairly standard message of sort of self-empowerment via not worrying about other people's opinions so much. You could say it's sort of low-fat feminist, but really it's not even specific enough to qualify for that. Yeah. To qualify for girl power, you know. In the chorus she says, I spent years really hating myself, but that's a kind of unisex thing. It's called being a teenager, and some of us are expecting it to end any time now. But, yeah, (laughs) things like, you know, now when life gets tough, I'm quick to hurry up. I run all day. I run through the night. I break down walls, I hit up high, I don't care if I'm fat or if you think my clothes are bad, because I can go to sleep at night, I'm a good person and I'll get by. I'm not sure if when life gets tough, run away as hard as you can, and if anybody tries to stop you, deck them. It's particularly good advice, but the stuff about being body positive, helping get you through the night seems relevant. I can say that after a three-piece feed with a wicked wing combo, it's hard enough to get to sleep anyway without worrying about how many calories I just ingested. Exactly, yeah. The MSG will keep you awake, Tom, I think. Sure. um, No, look, uh, yeah, the lyrics aren't 
horrible, but they're not no, the best. It's not the worst song no, of the year. No, no. Oh, think, Jesus Christ. You know, Black Eyed Peas are in there, yeah, yeah, for exactly. sure. Um, so, yeah, Vanessa Ramarossi herself, she's just 400 mil, sorry, 400,000. 400,000. That's uh, not bad for an Australian only artist. Yeah. Pretty good, but sorry, uh, with the mill, I was going to say absolutely everyone has, uh, everybody, sorry, absolutely everyone has had 23 million streams yeah, wow. okay. on Spotify. So absolutely everybody is the big hit. It wouldn't shock and, me if that had showed up in a movie or two, but I'd yeah. have to double check. And this is who I am. Her number one si- uh, single that we're talking about now has had 3 million listeners uh, on yeah, Spotify. So, but absolutely everybody, you're right, it was a... a I feel like that's the biggest song. Like yeah. that's sort of, but you know, I always go. felt like she never quite fitted in. Anywhere. Yeah, she didn't have the sort of not poppy enough, but then yeah, not rocky she's enough. She's not glossy then... enough for Taylor Swift. She's not sort of yep. singer songwritery enough to be another. You know, to be a kind of yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, what's her face? Scar, Missy Higgins type. Yep. She's not yeah. alternative enough to fit on Triple J. She's not. Yeah, but look, she's still releasing albums, as I mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. So that's good. No, she's still going. Four hundred thousand so listeners in Australia is not bad. Um, you can get this for four dollars forty-one. Sure. On Discogs, so um, DJ Deep four one seven two trying to flip this for two hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> you might be asking a little bit too much, good dude. Luck. So yeah, just see what's going on with that. That's a CDR promo though, Tom. So I'm sure <laughs> oh, it's very okay. rare. Great. But um, yeah, that's what you want. You want to pay more money for the one without a cover that's just been burnt on a computer. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal. So, all right, that's that. Um, yeah, thanks, Vanessa. Moving on next is, uh, oh, fucking oath. More Black Eyed Peas. Meet me halfway for one week. Jesus Christ. I suppose it's only one week. Got to look on the bright side. But combined, it's I about know. half the year. I know, all this shit. 14 weeks of the Black Eyed yep. Peas fuck me backwards off their worst album to date although I'm sure they'll top it <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's a constant downhill isn't yes, it I assume it's pretty it, yeah. much anyway uh, meet me halfway meet me halfway sadly no such options were available to <laughs> nightclub goers no. in 2009 when this shit came on they were faced with a much starker choice bin slitting their femoral artery with a torn Red Bull can or just leaping out the nearest window into heavy traffic and praying that a truck tire would find their skull before the Fergie verse arrived. Yeah, yeah I mean, this I, is it, another it, piss week dance yeah, track to, the just to set the scene. The blessing is that I've forgotten this one completely. Oh, yeah, like, so would I. As it's one week, like, even by their standards, this was piss week, you know, yeah. which is saying something. But they're on such a hot streak at the moment, they seem like <laughs> they'd release anything and people yes. must have just been getting crazy. Yeah, like, as we've said, you know, at a certain age, a lot of people with no musical talent or dancing skills will take ecstasy and discover Daft Punk. That's yep. fine. It's called being 23 in the suburbs. But what if four of those people were then given millions of dollars and hundreds of hours of redundant studio time to write something that they imagine constitutes dance music without actually knowing anything about dance music? Well, to all the people out there who think that dance music requires no talent to produce, may I present another example of what that would actually look like? Yeah. Like, compare this album to anything by Daft Punk, The Chemical Brothers, Joss Winks, The Prodigy, Left Field, Basement Jacks, Kylie's disco album, Madonna's music album, even that last Vanessa Amorosi song. Yeah. And you should be able to pick the one that somebody's put more than 20 minutes of combined effort into. Yeah. And if those other people had put 20 minutes of combined effort into a song, I doubt they would go on radio and brag about how they I've did I've invented that. a new <laughs> genre because I'm doing 
rapping on a dance song. I've gone in a whole new wavelength. I've figured out a way to play a song with one note. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Have I told you about my car company? We're looking at a second <laughs> car very soon. As soon as this check clears, I'll buy another one. Yeah. Look, fuck it. There's a fucking all-synth power ballad called Meet Me Halfway yeah, by Kenny Loggins. Uh, listen to that song directly after this Black Eyed Peas bullshit and discover how much you always loved Loggins. That's that Kenny Loggins song is way better than this. Oh, it's, it's far better. Song. It's far better. Yep. Even the video is an improvement because it features scenes from the film over the top. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Instead of a bunch of badly green screen CGI bullshit and Fergie flopping around in some astroturf like the last Kransky in the butcher's window. Correct. Um, for those that don't know, over the top, it's um, Sylvester Stallone's arm wrestling film. Yes, so about the highly competitive and well-paid underground arm <laughs> wrestling circuit. Because <laughs> he can make enough money in the underground mm. arm wrestling circuit to save his gym. Was that right? Or, okay, to save something. It's something to do with his son. He save his son was son's in the car. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, in the music, you re- yeah, like as you said, Tom, the CGI on this is pretty bad. One of them in the video, I'm not sure whether it's Ape Dot Ape or the taboo guy is um he's flying really close to the sun in this he's in a spacesuit now I hope that's not a Icarus reference implying that what the black eyed peas is doing with this song is flying too close to the sun as that would suggest that Will I Am is some sort of musical master craftsman mm. which he certainly is not I wish the members of the black eyed peas would fly a rocket directly into the sun however <laughs> What do you got for me, lyrics? Oh, Jesus. I, um, I can't talk about the Black Eyed Peas. No, no, I'm amazed we've made it this far. Look, this podcast has covered a quarter of a century of music, the most popular songs in the world to date, like it or not, and coincidentally or not, some of the dodgiest lyrics ever written. Oh, yeah. And yet I think this is the first time I've had to look through the lyrics of a song which isn't about anything at all. I don't mean it's shallow. I mean, I legitimately don't know what the fuck this song is about at all or yep. how whatever it isn't about doesn't relate to the title. Meet me halfway. Whatever the fuck they imagine that's supposed to mean. Like, meet me halfway is just a banal quotidian expression meaning compromise with me, right? Yeah. I'm not sure what that has to do with, with whatever old carpet skids taboo is on about here. Let's cross the bridge to the other side, just you and I. I will fly, fly the skies for you and I. I will try until I die for you and I. For, for, for you and I. For, 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 for you and I. For, for you and I. Now, maybe it makes more sense when you're off your face on ecstasy, dragging your naked ass down a hotel corridor like a dog with worms, Ben. But to me, sober, that makes no sense whatsoever. And I say that to a guy who's just reviewed Jai Ho by an Indian guy who doesn't speak English and all five of the Pussycat Dolls, which managed to make more sense than this shit. Sounds very much like scratch lyrics that they didn't bother replacing. <laughs> yes, that people exactly. are like, oh, well, just the scratch lyrics who didn't bother replacing them. And it also reminds me of that, um, you know, that Red Hot Chili Peppers song where he just goes, Blackjack, dumb dick, poncho, <laughs> yes, quick pick. Double syllable. Like, it, just, <laughs> yes. just, it just sounds like complete fucking garbage. <laughs> Makes no, like, in terms of sort of like, what's this song about? It can't be about anything. Yeah, so all those like Beck that. songs where it sounds like he's used the 
old beat poetry technique of writing things on scraps of paper and <laughs> chucking them in the air. Exactly. Cigarette butt's gonna dance with the cheese whiz on top of a unicorn <laughs> under a car park. Yeah, at least that sounds like imagination was involved yeah. at some point. Exactly yeah, right, exactly. Um, so this would cost you 71 cents on Discogs and, yeah, what did, I can't remember what I said before, 30 million, I think, these guys <sighs> had. So all right, let's quickly move on. Cool, all right. Uh, 9th of November for eight weeks. Yes. This is going to take us straight through to the end of the year. Yep. Is Kesha mm. back? Well, She's back. technically back, but for the first time as a solo She's artist. invented a new app, I TikTok, understand. yeah, TikTok. <laughs> so it's spelled, this, it's, you know, it's it like, is. it's spelled exactly the same. So I really hope that she is like a 1% owner of TikTok well, or something. Because if it is, she'll be a billionaire. They claim it has nothing to do with it. I did look into that, just oh, yeah. in case. But of course, they would claim that if they didn't want to pay her any money. Yeah, exactly. There's, exactly. there's some other reference to TikTok. There was some other program or something, but... Yeah, either way. This is called TikTok, spelt the same way as the popular app. Yep. What can you tell me about it? Um, well, this is her first solo song, as we yeah. talked about. Um, debut solo single written by Kesha, Benny Blanco, and Dr. Luke, disturbingly the guy <laughs> who she later tried to sue. Yep. The latter two doubling as the song's producers. Kesha had previously found success as the hook singer on Florida's Right Round, even though she didn't get a title credit in the US, as stated. Uh, and this was her first, and some might say only, hit in her own right. Yeah. But this was a legit hit, though. It spent 38 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100, including nine weeks at number one. Wow. Which is pretty good, even for, like, Beyonce or something. And selling 6.8 million copies in the US and 12.8 million internationally. Jesus. Making it the biggest selling song worldwide in 2010, even though it came out in 2009. So, yeah, this had legs. This kept selling and selling and selling. I mean, those are, even when we're talking, you know, paid downloads, not, you know, physical copies, that's still a fuckload these days, you know, like 20 million copies of a single. Yeah. So how does it hold up 13 years on, do you reckon? Um, well, firstly, I want to say it almost didn't happen, Tom. Uh. When Kesha's producer, Dr. Luke, and this is also going to time stamp this song very well. Mm-hmm. Dr. Luke gave her a phone call. He'd heard a demo of the song. Yeah. And uh, he said he'd like to work with her. And uh, Nicole Ritchie picked up the phone and hung up on him. Because <laughs> at the time, Kesha and her mum were filming an episode of the reality show, The Simple Life. Mm. And Paris Hilton and Ritchie were staying with them. So fortunately, he got through to Kesha on the phone and the rest is history. So don't know how the fuck that happened. But apparently, oh, Paris and Ritchie just staying at Kesha's house before she was mm. famous, obviously. And um, Ritchie hung up the phone. So when you ask me how it's held up, Tom, well, the chorus is an earworm. I think. Yeah, it is. It has catchiness. If it came on at Coles and um, I was at the self-checkout, I'd scan (laughs) a little bit slower so I could hear the whole song. But the verses hold up about as well as a house made out of the frozen yogurt left in the Islamabad sun from earlier, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, Great chorus. Verses are fucking terrible. Yeah. Kesha should have leveraged her relationship with Flow Rider, I feel, as the song could have benefited from him rapping over the bridge. Yeah. yeah. She does that kind of... She flirts with that kind of Britney 
speak rap thing that really speak they should have rap. known better at this point. Like this is two thousand and nine. It's too late to be speak doing rap, that. but also pretending that she's drunk at yeah, the time while speak yes. rapping. So it sort of it introduces her shtick of being trashy glam kind of thing. That seemed to be her sort of vibe. You Absolutely. Know? Like and the video like like oops I did it again. It's a real statement of intent. Like this is who I am. Look, start of the video, I'm getting out of a bath, I got one shoe on, I'm drunk I'm drunk, my my makeup's Absolutely. all smudged, yet I still look somehow like somebody just spent twelve hours doing my hair, you know. Yeah. Like, but hey, you know, who knows what I got up to last night? Hey, twelve year olds, go out and get <laughs> shit faced all the time. It's a vibe that Katy Perry would later go on to embrace as well. Like, let's all do shots, thirteen year olds. Exactly. Um, you know, hey, I was doing that as well, I'm not judging anyone, but that's her shtick, and this really just straight out out of the gate like Spice Girls you know their bloody what was their big one their first song tell you what I want right? I really yeah want it, it, the song and the video just introduced like this is what I'm like this is my shit exactly. that I'm leaning into exactly so yeah my question the video wise is how she got into the bath naked at the start of the video yep. in the first place I mean she goes downstairs there's a family there yep. with two younger kids yep. looking aghast at her and she's like hey and the mum, like, drops the, yeah. the pancakes. It's yeah. like, you know, because she's, I don't know, got one shoe on or something. Yeah. Like, now, presumably she fucked at least one member of that family, but I'm not quite sure how many or who, you know. I mean, I don't know if you've got any theories, but... Oh, look, good art provides more questions and answers, <laughs> Tom. It's hard to really know. But, yeah, look, if you haven't, as you said, if you haven't seen the video yet, so she, what, she wakes up in the bath, she's upstairs. Yep. In a fancy house. Yep. She gets up, looks around like, hey, another... Blackout drunk. Yep. Puts her clothes on. So you might be thinking, oh, house party. One night stand. One night something, stand, yeah. something. But then, yeah, she goes downstairs and it's just, yeah, family. Yeah. Two, two probably teenage, probably young, maybe yes, under younger. teenage kids. The so, mum's like drops the plate. Yeah. So it makes no sense. Okay. Oh. The only way it makes <laughs> sense is if she fucked the dad. Yeah, that's the only way. Yeah, because the mum drops sense. the pancakes. She's so like, it can't oh. have been a threesome hung around no. too long. So the she's... kids are underage. So unless it's Madonna, yeah, then they <laughs> probably didn't fuck things. Now you or I might have perhaps added a hot teenage son who could have given her a wink on the way that, out the door. It would have been like just ah. to take pedophilia off the breakfast exactly. table. Sort of as like it were. So it's obvious that she fucked the dad, and if she did, then <laughs> we can assume that it's not outside the realms of possibility that she did did sort of uh, give flow right of that blowjob as well mm, from earlier in the possibly. round and round video um, yeah look more robot voice voice electro yep. or Rihanna Lady Gaga style production um, or a dozen other chart hits this year Katy Berry last year etc I'm glad they gave up on the robot voice thing because ironically by this point the software which started out to inconspicuously improve bad singers e.g. auto-tune, is now being way too commonly used to make decent singers' voices sound like five minutes of R2-D2 queefing. Yeah. Like look, that Jessica Mowboy, where you've perversely taken someone who can sing, like that's her one skill, yeah. and fucked it up with fucking auto-tune, so she sounds like a shitty robot. Yeah. It's weird. Massive overuse of the auto-tune on this. Yeah, totally um, unnecessary. Doesn't suit the song. It's, yeah. And yeah, the irony is, as you said, they used to use this sound effect to make songs 
stand out and sound futuristic yes. and sort of, oh, no one's heard that before. And before but now, that, to fix people yeah, who weren't yeah. very good at singing to get it to sound better, you know. But now you, but now it just sort of timestamps the song to 2009. Yes. Yeah. So it when you listen to this, this song could almost be a timeless party anthem mm. if it wasn't for the warbly, like, yeah. like overuse of um, no. auto-tune. <laughs> So I think, yeah. you know, if someone had said, look, let's just sing this normally. It dates uh, it as badly as the words feet acorn do. To <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But look, I'd put this on a party anthem playlist before any of the Black Eyed Peas songs from this year. Oh, yeah. Sure. It's way more fun than that. And it sounds like she might legitimately have some experience of what she's talking about. Oh, definitely. I mean, it was supposedly inspired by living young and poor in a big trash share house in Laurel Canyon, where people, sometimes other young aspiring famos, would crash after parties. Mm -hmm. For instance, Paris Hilton and and Nicole Richie, who were (laughs) then known primarily for being two dumbasses in a reality TV show. Um, She said she woke up one morning and was surrounded by ten beautiful sleeping women and felt like P. Diddy, which is why she refers to him in the first verse and gets a three-word callback for her troubles. Yeah, look, that doesn't surprise me at all about the sort of whole, you know being a bit, you know, in this sort of big share house with all these young people and yeah. crazy stuff happens and it's sort of whatever. So, look... Well, so, um, it can't have been too trashy because Laurel Canyon is a fucking oh, high-end... Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's where rock stars lived in the 70s. Now, yeah. it's where retired millionaire rock stars yeah. live. <laughs> so, she's in a share house with like 50 people, I think. You know, yeah. That's sort of, that's how it works. But, look, um, doesn't surprise me. Kesha did write once she... Uh, once wrote a song about fucking a ghost, Tom. So <laughs> Yes, she's on the surprisingly long <laughs> list of celebrities who claim yeah. to have fucked a ghost. Quote, Supernatural is about... So, so, sorry, the song. She releases a song <laughs> called Supernatural. It's about experiences with the supernatural, but in a sexy way. I've had a couple of experiences with the supernatural. I don't know his name. He was a ghost. <laughs> I'm very open to it. And when asked about this on, she went on Conan once and he asked her about this and she said, I did. I went to the bone zone with a ghost. (laughs) Fucking a ghost really just kind of sounds like wanking, Tom. I'm not quite sure. I'd say... uh, Pretty much the definition of a wet dream. (laughs) If you're also asleep while (laughs) Definitely being caught on the sofa at that share house, just finger blasting herself with, you know heap of people and then someone's sort of seen her and just went oh and she's like oh it's cool I'm just fucking a ghost and they're like oh yeah cool don't worry about it then um, seems on brand for Kesha though because she's also made a bra out of human teeth so it would appear that anything goes <laughs> well perhaps she could use her bra made of human teeth to eat Lady Gaga's dress made of meat. Yeah, definitely. Get all that gristle down. (laughs) Uh, In case you're wondering, uh, other celebrities who've had wet dreams, sorry, I mean, had sex with a dead person that's come back to life to fuck them, Uh, Lucy Liu, uh, Anna Nicole Smith, Dan Aykroyd, of course. (laughs) I mean, he actually (laughs) put a documentary about it hidden into Ghostbusters. Uh, Paz de la Huerta, Kesha, as mentioned... Coco Austin, Ice T's oh, wife. Oh, good. And, of course, Natasha Blasik of Paranormal Activity 2, <laughs> who was inspired by that to take up acting. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> 
Oh, so, yeah, it's not if only, just if she didn't fuck a ghost, we'd never have had her <laughs> in it. Probably the finest of the paranormal activities. I get the feeling, say. knowing Kesha as well as I do, that if Kesha had known that all those other celebrities had also fucked ghosts, she would have come up with something trashy as like, I had a threesome with a ghost. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't know, I you know, I got paid for sex with a ghost or something yeah, just to give it an exactly. extra touch of, you know, exactly. glam. No, no, I believe him. So. Uh, yeah, anything else? No, what are the lyrics like? Um, according to Kesha, quote, I wanted to rewrite the verses. I didn't think it was funny or clever. I thought it kind of sucked. But everyone else liked it. Now, I'm glad they I didn't rewrite TikTok. People are really connecting with that honesty. <laughs> I write my songs the way I talk to a girlfriend over a drink. I tell it like it is. It gets me in trouble, but so what? I get in trouble a lot. Yeah. Do you, or do people just tell you to shut up because you're annoying? It's like when someone tells you that they tell it like it is. You know, sometimes that means they're confident and too busy to suffer fools gladly. Usually it means they like attention more than they like not hurting people. Yeah, exactly. Look, she's not wrong. The verses do suck on this. but yeah. um, look, Also, luckily, slight cell phone there as well. Yeah. It's like Katy Perry's comments. About the, she was able to pull it together, fortunately, with the chorus, mm, though, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> what, what are the, the lyrics, are, I mean, what, the chorus <laughs> lyrics are just... TikTok, blow my speakers up. It's, yeah. it's, it's fun though. It's all but, yeah. just having a party. Yep. So ain't what about... got a care in the world, but we got plenty of beer. Ain't got no money in my pocket, but I'm already here. Mm-hmm. And now the dudes are lining up because they hear we got swagger, but we kick them to the curb unless they look like Mick Jagger. <laughs> now, maybe they didn't have the internet at the share house, but you should probably image search Mick Jagger <laughs> at some point, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't I, think it's possible that it's just the only word she could think of that rhymed with swagger? I'd you? say so. Yeah, I mean Mick Jagger. Yeah, he's a rock icon, but um, he was handsome in about 1964. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, before he started on the Durries. Yeah. Yeah. Jeepers, creepers. Anyway, yeah, look, no, she's not wrong about the lyrics. It also just it's one of those songs that con- it's got that thing that where the song a song that contradicts itself usually either means I'm not very good at writing lyrics or I wrote these in a hurry and then they became the song and it's too late to go back and fix them and now I'm reduced to singing a song that gives me the shits. It is not clear anywhere in the song whether they're having the party at their house or whether they're on their way to another party. Like, it doesn't even bother being that specific about the party. You know, it's just like uh, the vague concept of being young and at a party. Yeah. Look, there's also, I guess, that sort of thing where it's like, if you have a really hooky, catchy chorus that people are, like, really pumped up about, maybe the verses don't matter that much. Yeah. I think the song would have been much more interesting with exactly the same vibe and the same you know, hooky chorus, if she'd just written it about an actual experience she had. Like if she'd written a song about... Yeah, yeah, or like, yeah, fucked a ghost, woke up from the ghost fucking in a stranger's house in a bathtub. Don't know where I am. Did I fuck the dad? Was he the ghost? Not sure. Gone home, had a nap, woke up surrounded by 10 hot girls, feel like Puff Daddy. Like that's a more interesting song than just general, let's do shots at a party because I'm 20 and I'm hot. You know, yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah, so that's the end of the year. Eight it is weeks um, um, eighteen yeah. mil. So Kesha still has still doing all right. Yeah, eighteen million people. She's, I don't mean that she's a one-hit wonder. I'm aware that she's had other hits, but I this would be surprised if she has another number one in Australia. Oh yeah, exactly. We'll and, have to check as the and this will cost by. you three dollars and two cents. Okay. On. Yeah. 
the Discogs. So yeah. Yeah, I was just going to mention a couple of honourables for two thousand and nine. Oh, yeah. um, things that didn't quite hit number one, but that you'd remember a lot better than any of that Black Eyed Pea shit. Uh, Party in the USA by oh, Riley Cyrus. Good. Still might be her biggest song, I yep. reckon. That really pushed her over the edge. Again, it sounds like uh, someone trying to relate an experience that never properly happened. <laughs> yeah. um, E.g. someone arriving in a place in a taxi, listening to stuff that they wouldn't play in a taxi. Uh, a bunch of songs from Lily Allen's first ah. album. I think uh, Shit Taste in Men and Don't Trust Me With Personal <laughs> Information were on there. But yeah, it's that. If you do, it's the album where she's lying on a big L on the oh, cover. Yeah. It's pink. Like, the, the, she was really huge. But yeah. Yep. Uh, My Delirium by Lady Hawk. Uh, that's a really good song. That's yep. better than anything on here. That previously mentioned modular sound from that record label that were fucking huge for a while that had the presets and, you know, yep. all those... The, the, was Empire of the Sun they were on here that first album of theirs too um, but they never quite hit the number ones they were huge on the clubs and of yeah. course who could forget Jeez in My Pants by Lonely Island hundred <laughs> <laughs> exactly and who in their own way understood the appeal of the Daft Punk electro sound better than the Black Eyed as a joke song yeah, exactly. as a joke in the same way that they actually managed to understand the appeal of Akon in the song I Just Had Sex better than he did in any of his yeah, own songs and understand the appeal of T-Pain in the song I'm on a Boat yeah. better than T-Pain seems exactly. to in any song um, yeah. I just want to mention Tom Evacuate the Dance Floor from Cascade ah, was uh, yeah. in the top 20 songs of this year mm. at the end of, end of the year for Aria Charts so. have you ever seen anything on a dance floor that would cause it to be evacuated well, I don't know, Tom, but the lyrics sort of suggest um, <laughs> evacuate the dance floor. I'm infected by the sound. Stop the beat is killing me. Hey, Mr. DJ, let the music take me underground. So Sounds like go. the next verse is going to start talking about envelopes full of white powder oh, on the dance floor. Either that or being, ta- you know, I'm the underground, I assume, means being, being killed in some <laughs> manner and the next thing you're... Banging Kesha, but you yeah, seem to remember as a ghost. you telling me about a dance floor incident that occurred with you at perhaps Regine's nightclub uh, in Hobart's finest establishment <laughs> once, where you got into a uh, a dance battle with yeah. a guy on the dance floor, which one side of the dance floor, if for some reason you've never made it to Regine's, is a glass <laughs> wall, yeah. I think. And what happened there with the dance floor? He pulled his pants down and just pushed the the ass cheeks <laughs> up against the glass. He did the full so fruit bowl. I think that was fruit, I think yeah. that was the uh, I've been Owen involved Wilson in a lot of ripping his underpants battles, yeah. out of his pants. Last un, unbeatable dance off move. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's you've got me there. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's two thousand and nine. Wrapped. Mm. Um, we'll put the playlist up on YouTube so you can watch all the music videos. <laughs> a lot of shit Black Eyed Peas ones, but you know, enjoy that. And we'll be back next week with the the decade wrap. Tom. Ah, uh, yes. The two thousands is over, so it we'll is. be back. So we'll wrap up the the songs that the didn't quite thoughts. get there from various countries, etc., etc. Mm. And yeah, a few awards. I think we'll probably pull out too. Yes. So. All right. Cool. Thank you. See you later.